What's up, viewers and listeners? My name is Jay. I'm a registered nutritionist based here in Bristol, working with BJJ enthusiasts across the globe, helping jujitsu practitioners perform to their best ability on the mat, whilst making sure they're not doing anything stupid with their weight cuts. On today's episode, we had Mike Hughes, my own original training partner from back in the day. Mike is a purple belt at Olympians MMA. He has competed on the local circuit, competed at MMA, and also done some commentary here and there. Mike is a keen jiu-jitsu and MMA fan with a massive depth of knowledge. In this podcast, we talked about steroid use, the Mark Hunt court case, some invitational shows, training room etiquette, good old gi versus no gi, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. And of course, if you're not subscribed, please click that button and turn on post notifications for further content updates. Thank you for watching and listening. And let's get into episode 24. Oose. <laughs> Right, guys, episode 24. My name is Jay. I'm the host of the BJJ Nutrition Podcast and the BJJ Nutrition Consultancy, where we help all jiu-jitsu athletes perform to their best whilst also not doing anything silly with their weight cuts. Today, I'm joined by my lovely dog, Jazzy, and also my original training partner. <laughs> Why don't you introduce the dog first? Hey, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike. Mike. Now, I've always said this since day one, mate. I know, obviously, we tried to do a podcast before in a horse trailer, um, and I, I'm yeah, still... He basically got cut short every 30 seconds of someone yeah. intruding. But I think I say the same thing every single time, mate. Is that that first time I walked into that room, I'm pretty sure your eyes lit up. It's like, oh, look, it's a mobile grappling dummy that actually moves properly. I think it's because you were you were another big guy. Which was like, <laughs> when you're in a room full of 70 to 80 kilo guys, you're like... Oh, and he's wearing a vest. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much I can make him hurt for a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> will, he, will he stick around? I wonder. We'll see. Wow. Well, here we are. Was it? Then he's coming up three years later, which is fucking mad to say. It's I think. How long is it, mate? I know. And then with the joys of you being at my first ever, uh, first ever match, which I still say to the day of uh, you saying like Jacob and your Welsh accent. Don't. What was it? Posture up. And it was like, don't yeah. slam him, don't put him down. <laughs> and it, you know, I think in the in the group chat at the time, it was all like, oh, did you fucking like proper slam him? Like all this type of stuff. It was like an inch. It was like an inch off the floor, and I laid him back down slightly, and yeah. that was it. But that was when uh, you guys gassed me up for eight weeks, going like, yeah, you'll be fine in the Somerset Open, you'll do fine. <laughs> in fairness, you did do all right. It was it was it was one of those moments where like you can you can see it happening before it happens, and then as he comes off the floor, you're like. Oh fuck! <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it was literally like slow mo in my ear. Yeah. Uh, and then what was it? The second match, the fucking guy just put me in lockdown, which I never experienced in my fucking life. And I was just like, "What the fuck's this all about?" And he just, I'm not gonna lie, he stalled me out for two points. That was it. Yeah, but you've come a long way since then. Ah, uh, which is nice. Thank you, mate. But... Well, I think I've, I've always said that like, you're in one of these privileged. I say privilege because I think it is a privilege of being in one of these positions where your life and your income is sort of around sports and combat yeah. sports so it gives you the freedom to have your own schedule travel yeah do multiple sessions a week and it, obviously for anyone hearing that again yeah obviously with what i've got and what i'm involved with yes i have got a lot of freedom in places but mm. also i don't have as much freedom as let's say nine to five have the weekends right yeah like i've, I've spoken to you obviously because we're good friends obviously offline and stuff like that in the sense that if we wanted to i don't know do something to the flat here for example m's not in, m's like really annoyed that we're not like i don't know doing things constantly all the time i'm like 
this is a seven days a week type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a to-do list at the moment of a couple of workout plans to sort out. Uh, a week, a weight cut is happening next week uh, where I've got to sort out the meal plans, obviously, for it's the day before. Uh, and then also he's there, like, dangling the carrot. There's two of his other guys in his camp that want to do exactly the same thing. And I'm like, right, okay, well, they need to ne- you know now rather than, like, two days before. And it's always a yeah. bit too late type of thing. Um, but, yeah, there's then, uh, then last night went to a nice show uh, over in Cardiff. Saw some people there. Um, again, it was nice to be able to be working and just enjoying being in that surrounding, seeing some matches. But again, it's a little bit of networking. It's not just. But the thing is, I, I think all sport is selfish yeah. to a degree. It is. Yeah. Because I was saying this the other day to someone where, you know, if you're in a nine to five job, most jujitsu schools have evening classes, right? Mm. So you're in a nine to five, got a missus, got a family, kids, whatever. Okay, uh, finish work at five, right? Straight to the gym for six, six to nine training. Nine o'clock, come home, food, shower, bed, done. Mm. Where's the time? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it is one of them things where you have to be selfish and then you have to find the time. on. 100%. Which, are, which is, I think, primarily why most jiu-jitsu gyms don't have much of a weekend schedule. No, they don't. I'm quite lucky with the school that I've got that we've got morning, lunch, at, well, actually morning to lunchtime classes um, and like two or three in the evening as well. Which is brilliant because then you can do a lunchtime and not have to worry, oh, I could stay home this evening or I yeah. could do whatever, which work is nice. in the evening. Yeah. Which works out really well type of thing. But at the same time, it is a balancing act. I can't do, I've definitely realised work's obviously picked up with stuff that I can't do the original. I think when I, when I switched to the first school before I had to vacate, I was doing at least like six times a week, I think it was down there. Yeah. And it was again, which is a lot, which is a lot. And then it came to the end, it took a little while. Reality of like, rather than just turn up and don't get me wrong, I probably was in my learning phase of jujitsu. Of like, I just let's just get myself immersed into it as much as I can, type thing. But definitely started to look back at it now. Like, I was walking around constantly with neck pain all the time, yeah. where like I was just it was jarred permanently. Not saying obviously it was like that, not like that now, but you look back at it and kind of go was there a need for it type of thing? You're not going to be fighting Gordon next week. <laughs> no, but no, but that is where your progression curve was so big. Mm. Like, you see it in certain guys, like, sometimes their progression curve just kicks in massively. Um, one guy local to us, so I've said it from day dot, Mark Hibbs. Yeah. Like, from COVID to now, his progression curve was, it went <laughs> through the fucking roof. Yeah. It did, because, like, Mark will say himself, pre, up to COVID, he was a good blue belt, big guy like sort of what you'd call more of like a gym guy yeah um and then i remember a couple of years later he was a brown belt and i was like where the fuck did that come I was from like, well. <laughs> and then i rolled him and i was like jesus christ like <laughs> i see why <laughs> yeah well yeah and it's like i said to him I was like man like your your progression just went and he was like i just decided to put everything into it yeah and that's what you did at the start I did, and I've just gone downhill ever since. Yeah, you, yeah you're, you're back to being shit and back mediocre. But... And looking at the bullshit moves all the time, going, oh, I like this, no one knows yeah. this, and they'll figure out, and they'll be like, oh, we shut down pretty instantly. Yeah, you fall in love with Instagram. Basically, yeah. But, um, nah, sorry, guys, I'm just going to complete tangent, obviously, about me and my life starting <clears> jiu-jitsu life. What about yourself, mate? Obviously, where, where are you at, obviously, in terms of you didn't start out just primarily in jiu-jitsu, did you, if I remember right, though? No, so I started out MMA. Yeah, back, way back in the day when you had all the different when rules and regulations. Old. Where uh, like, oh yeah, it's, mate, it's, like, it seems like Muay Thai nowadays, where you've got like A one, C three. There was literally like six different rule sets. <laughs> like it's 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 bizarre when you think about it now. Where you just have um, unified amateur and pro. Back then, you had like amateur no headshots, amateur headshots standing but not on the floor. <laughs> then you had uh, B class pro or C class pro, which yeah. was. 
bigger gloves, ground and pound. Then you had B-class pro, which was smaller glove, ground and pound, but no elbows. Then you had pro. And it was like, and like you try and like search for anything now. It's like, you, like you just can't really find anything because there were so many different rule sets. That's just, it, like, it screams out basically like the uh, Muay Thai rule sets. They've got all those different regulations for it. So yeah, some allow shim and guard, some don't. Some allow elbow, some allow knee, some allow that. I think a lot of it stuff. was just, it was just... Uh, the fact that the sport was still quite relatively young. I mean, yeah. I, I started in 2010, 2011. Jesus Christ, that's what, what, 13 years ago? Yeah, me. when I first started, yeah. It's um, come on lots in that time, then, hasn't it? Yeah, and I just think it's like an education standpoint where I think people were just kind of like worried of, you know, what should we let people do and, you know, the skill level of what we think they're capable of. So I think that's why they, they wanted to get people on shows because... I mean, back when I started, there was like less than a handful of shows in this half of the country. You had mm. Ultimate Impact in Gloucester, which was the first one I fought on. You had Tear Up in Bristol. Yep. Um, you had, I think, Mark uh, Tucker did one down in Liscard. Um, for any like old school viewers who know who can remember that one. Uh, Rumble on the Rock. <laughs> uh, which was like, I think Paul Reed and those guys went and done that a few times. Yeah. So they weren't a lot. So I think people wanted to get them on shows, but it was a case of like, all right, well, pick your rule set. What do you want to fight like? Yeah, we had that last night at the show, right? Obviously, I'm not naming names, obviously, again. So it was a, it was a nice enough show type of thing. There was definitely a few holes for improvement or room for improvement type of set. But they were turning up to then go and fight their competitor. Hmm. And they'll be asking, what rule set would you like? Yeah, which is... And they were going, oh, should you do IBJJF rules? And I was like, what? Hold on. Like, imagine like your whole game plan is there to like, I don't know, heel hook someone, right? And you guys are a blue belt fighting another blue belt in well, another fucking conversation. Super fight. Um, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it'd be like, oh, right, oh, I know how to get around this. Oh, we'll do IBJJF rule, please. Yeah, but did, did that have to be agreed to by both, both partners? By both partners. Yeah. But I, I don't get it. it just but what if like... you can't agree? Well, you you could cause enough fuss around it, I think, for them to not have a fight. But then it's like, who looks like a dick in which camp type thing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but but like like I said, it, this was this was one of them comps where you just told them, yeah, I'll compete. I want to compete, and they went, yeah, all right. It wasn't like, <coughs> excuse me, it wasn't like a super fight card where they like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't invite. Is what I think you're trying to yeah. get. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> It's, well, who has the override? I, I would just, as the promoter, I'd say these are the rules. Yeah. If you don't like it, then don't don't, don't compete. Don't that's fine. Yeah. Thing. I know, but it, it's just a weird angle to sort of say, like, oh, we'll change this and we can do this on the day. And don't get me wrong, there were a couple of matches which I was like, oh, okay. And it's, it comes back to that whole, again, I'm not fucking any leg lock expert and I'm just starting to get into it as if like a white belt and all of it type of thing. But there were some white belt matches where people were trying to go for like um, false reaps and then rolling into like knee bars and stuff like this. And don't get me wrong, both of them look like a fish out of water, but you can see one of them's just like holding onto the leg to the dear life type thing and then trying to push his hips through. And I'm like, is that then a safety aspect? As we all know, with hill hooks and stuff, you roll the wrong way, you could fuck your own fucking So, So this, this is where I, I kind of agree with a little bit of the old school ways where not up to black belt, because I think that's ridiculous, but, you know, in the training room, I see guys all the time or when guys want to say to me, oh, how do I do this leg entry or how do I finish this heel hook or whatever? And I always say to them, I'd say, don't put any pressure on it. Just hold the position catch. and catch it and then just wait. Just get that first because 
I've had blue belts who, when I've put them into a heel hook, and I, I never crank heel hooks on anyone who's not. He's lying. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Um, he gets his knee popped instead. That's another story. Yeah. <laughs> but I never do it because I've had blue belts who rolled a complete wrong way, and I've said to them after, if I'd actually had a bite on that, a proper bite, You'll you, your knee'd be done. Yeah. And I think it's all well and good people wanting to, oh, you know, do do the moves that Craig Jones does and all this sort of stuff, mm. but. You want longevity in the sport. Well, it comes back to that same statement of when you're rolling with someone, it's not about you. It's also about looking after your own training partner oh, 100%, as well. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like, to the point where we've had it before at our club, actually, where someone uh, injured another member and then was also being quite vocal about things that weren't going their way, right? So, like, we get subbed, like, like smack the mat or hit the wall or something like this type of thing. Obviously, a lot of frustration. people like that. <laughs> and... Um, it's the case in a kind of saying, well, okay, well, you've also got to respect, obviously, the people around you and what's going on there type of thing and, like, who you're rolling with and, like, it's not about trying to win every role but obviously trying to learn from it as well. And Yeah. yeah but when it comes to leg locks, I've, I've always said the, the knowledge benefit in, in terms of training, I mean, in terms of any situation when it comes to leg locks, my view is it's not the benefit of being able to apply it as such, it's the benefit of knowing when you're in trouble. Mm. so it's knowing when to tap so I nice. I know for a fact if I'm in a certain situation I know when I'm done and when when I've got room to play with because yeah. it's such a fast thing where you go from zero to your knee gone well, you need to know you need to be situationally aware of when you when you fuck well, this is the problem from a physiological point of view of the human body right you've got no nerve endings in your knee no so it, it does go from it nothing just, to on something. it's not like an elbow joint where it's like oh I've got that but <laughs> that's where a lot of these lower belts don't understand unless they train a lot in leg locks is they don't know when they're fucked so they'll roll or they'll they'll go to the point of no return and alright for for the sake of a five pound medal at a competition, like is six months of not training or potential surgery really worth it? Yeah, not it's really. Itch. Yeah, there's one guy he went on. He's saying this. He got caught in. Um, he got caught in a hill hook last night, or it was like a straight footlock type of thing. But it's yeah. like it was on a bit of a slant. So it might have been like an iron hook or whatever. But it was the case that he got caught in it and he tapped. And he said, "I could have got out of it," type of thing. I don't know if it's just in bullshitting afterwards. But he said, "I just wanted to be able to train tomorrow." Right, and it's like it's which a is very, smart, which is a very valid point, right? He got he came in, I think, on short notice for the fight. I think it was like ten days notice type of thing, mm. because the rest of the club was going down there. So fuck it, I'll just jump in, whatever type of thing. We've got the matchup, it will work. And um, <laughs> it was his own fault for fucking carp wheeling into uh, into the saddle, which was hilarious to see. He tried to do a cartwheel pass, and we're like, what the fuck? And then obviously his leg got caught, and it was game over. Basically, don't get me wrong. If you're in a, if you're in a big comp, an important comp. Mm. fine you know go until you you can't sort of thing <laughs> yeah but yeah for for the sake of like a local comp i'm not even going to get my arm my arm ligaments done like not not a chance no. I'm... i've had that and <laughs> the pain in the ass that it creates for a good four weeks yeah like it's just not worth it it's really not well you know how stubborn i can be i've said so i've been uh, put to sleep in three comps before like, I'm happy to be put to sleep. I know you say, oh, it could be but the that, last one you could wake up to, but... <laughs> yeah, but the odds of that are, are very slim, and they... And it's like to fuck my head a bit more. <laughs> no, it is slim. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, you get put to sleep, you get put to sleep. I mean, like, you're still in a situation where if you're legitimately fighting out of it, then fair enough. But I've seen guys who, like, they get put in a choke, and they're just like, like that, 
they're not even trying to fight out of it and then they go to sleep i'm like <laughs> why well why yeah you, you don't look any harder you look like more of a twat because you just got put out <laughs> who was i chatting to it was joe foy a little while back and he said that someone at grapple wars um was being choked out and couldn't get out of it and so he just put his hand up like this and waited for, <laughs> for his hand to drop before he tapped and, I was just, and everyone started clapping and cheering and I was like that's fucking class that is class yeah that's ballsy <laughs> it's just funny though isn't it oh just knowing you're, it's that same old fucking it thing it just reminds me of that, that scene out of the Terminator when he goes underneath like the molten lava with his thumb up like <laughs> It's going down. <laughs> you could do that as a meme, couldn't you? Like yeah. me, me entering a triangle, knowing my professor's responses don't get in a triangle in yeah. the first place. <laughs> I'd, certainly, some people. I mean, oh, some people God. like competitions, like the be all and end all in it. But it is. It is. I, I definitely don't think not not walking for four six weeks is is my preferred way to go. Yeah, I get that. Sorry, another fucking tangent, but yeah, obviously you started off with MMA. Um, you obviously would have done some grappling within that. And when did you? When did the bug hit you? So obviously you're now full on just grappling only, basically. Um, the bug probably hit me with just grappling. So my it's it's weird to think with me because from start to now, it's been twelve years, I think, called twelve years. But in between, I've had two or three periods of like a year or two years of breaks in between. Okay. So I think probably. I'd have to say maybe 2008 or 2009, maybe, maybe yeah. around there. I went to Chico Mendes. So mm. Chico Mendes was like my full-time coach around there. No, I'd say 2009, later than that. No, I'd say probably 2015, because then we started in 2009. Um, and then took a bit of a break. And then I went back to A3, what was A3, which is now yeah. Olympians. And that was... Christ, that must have been like 2018. Yeah, because A3 wasn't long before COVID. COVID. And yeah, then so probably around 2018. And then after COVID was when I it became Olympians again and I went to Olympians and it yeah. was just straight grappling. But it's it's one of those things where like... Did you do much stand-up at A3 as well? Or? No, not really. I did bits and bobs. Yeah. Like, I used to volunteer to spar Matty Matt Hood. And I was like... <laughs> like Who wants to be a punch bag today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. I some CTE, why not? <laughs> oh, mate, I remember, I remember he hit me once and I just, like, stood there days. And I, it's, like, the first time I've really been rocked. Like, it's, it's strange to say, because, like, I've had so many sparring sessions yeah. years ago, but I was a bit younger and everything else. And he hit me and I just, like, remember just looking at him with this dazed look, like... Uh, and then he looked at me and he hit me again. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I went to the impression of snapping my head back. Like, fucking Wait, kill me, it was bizarre. I was just like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> In slow motion. Is this guy really trying yeah, to punch me? Yeah, but I'd probably say like straight grappling, like four or five years. Yeah. Yeah, but it's one of those things with me because, and it's a conversation we have earlier on off camera where the style of it, especially like now being a bigger guy, mm. like, the MMA grappling sort of style compared to a full-time jiu-jitsu school style is so much different. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But there, I think it's an element of like catering for the needs of it as well. So we've had other guests on before who said that they've gone to Woolwork grappling yeah, and have felt completely out of their depth all of a sudden. Yeah. And there was a big weight disparity. I think it was 
um, Crocker was saying that he was doing more work with Grant on one, mm. and he said that all of a sudden Grant was just in a completely different world. And it was just, he said he literally felt like a white belt in that sort of realm altogether. But in the jiu-jitsu yeah. scene, it's a very small chance you'll end up having a grappling match in the cage, right? Yeah. There's only a few promotions that do that. Worldwide level, you're looking at what one, I think it is, will be. And even then, they sometimes don't even do it in a cage, right? Yeah. And on the other side, it's going to be some local promotions that sometimes do that, or they just go and get a mat. Do you know what I mean? It's... And they'll let you use the wall. Yeah. If you go into the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, wall work, is, it definitely has its place, but it's quite deceiving, because I think, like, wall work-wise, I'm... Nat- I'm okay. I'm pretty okay there. I can hold my own. That's fine because obviously I've done years a bit prior. Yeah. Um. And sort of open wrestling was never my forte because going from the MMA thing and wrestling is just very difficult. Um, what wrestling is difficult? Yeah, what? Never knew that. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's one of those weird things where I I almost prefer cage wrestling to to normal wrestling. But really? Yeah, I think. Once you can get someone's back against an object, it's a lot easier. Mm. Um, See, I've got no experience with that at all, to be fair. Like I said, my move from clubs and stuff like that, I never really got into the realms of doing much. We'll, we'll work at Olympians, to be fair. So I never yeah, really it's definitely chance, a grinding so. sort of style. But again, like my, it's, my, my style has changed a little bit since going to Olympians. But prior to that, it was very much like pressure position like it, less of like obviously the flashier stuff that you have now mm. but again that's what that's why I think like the I've seen too again it was like that thing of I might be a purple belt who can hold his own against purple belts that's fine but then you go to some schools occasionally and you're like oh like this is yeah. This is legit what a, a purple belt is. We we it's, we've we've had the opposite as well, where we've had other people come from uh, basic Gaha schools, is what I'm going to call yeah. them, um, and they have said, "Oh, I'm Miss Belt type thing, right?" And Did they have a receipt, <laughs> probably from when they bought it, probably extortionate <laughs> amount as well for their uh, belt, belt promotion or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and you roll with them, and all of a sudden, it's just like oh, okay, right, this doesn't feel anywhere. Like, and I, that was my first time I ever experienced that. And I was like, this is really odd. Because one, in my head, obviously, I want to make it an enjoyable experience for them. Right? I don't mm. want to just be the dick who rolls with them and just wants to maul people because I think there's a time and place for it, right? And 100% agree. At the same time, I was just like, oh, wow, there's actually schools out there who do that type of thing. And I was just like, why? And again, it comes back to what we, did, we said with Jordan. It's giving a fuck about what you're teaching and what you're promoting if that makes sense yeah i mean every, every coach wants to have this thing of okay if i promote you i want you to be able to hang with the top level of this belt yep. not just hang with the lower level of this belt but like i said it's all very different and and jiu-jitsu is a very personal individual journey where mm. you know i was tapping black belts as a blue belt some of them because of their individual sort of jujitsu journey and their circumstances and everything yeah. else. When it comes to the competing gyms, you know, you take two gyms in the southwest. Like you'd like to think that their belts would be roughly on par because they yeah. would have the same sort of standard of right. But it push it elevates everything up. But then on the other end of the scale, you got pro guys. Excuse me, pro guys who you're almost like, well, they're not. Purple belt, like J Rod, purple belt. He's not a purple belt. Colabate was a purple belt last year. Technically, yeah, but he's there smashing black belts. Exactly. So, so then you you're in that realm of, 
it's good because you're pushing the, the standard of the belts up. Yeah. But then for the average person, like you said, you, you get some people who come in who are a brown belt, but they get absolutely lit up by some white belt. Mm, it's interesting. It makes me think, uh, I don't know, another thought that's just come into my mind sporadically is that I know with black belts, for example, one of the stripes is to represent if you own a club, I believe, um, on the belt itself. Right. right. So you have an additional stripe on there if you own a club. Mm-hmm. Right. Part of me feels that if you were to be a competitive belt, right, would th- should there be like a baseline, right, you have an additional stripe because you're representing yourself as a competitive rather than a hobbyist. Because there, you've, got, you've got to admit, there's some people who will turn up to jiu-jitsu just because they enjoy it. They have no intent on competing. They may do once, like maybe twice in a year, maybe, mm. just because I don't know, their kids are doing it or yeah, something yeah. like that type of thing. But there's a significant difference mm. in the sense that their ability, again, I'm not saying this is for all of them, but their ability is not going to be the same of, I don't know, the equivalent blue belt, if that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but th- this is kind of what you go back to, and it is, it's that thing of, like I said, recently when I went into a room uh, in the southwest, and you're like, and don't get me wrong, when I first go to a school, <clears throat> I'm never going to try and put it on people. No, you're very respectful, if I'm honest. Like, you, 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 do, you do your due do, do, do diligence, we say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll always be uber respectful, especially with the coaches, and I'll, you know, just kind of go through the motion sort of thing. But then, you know, like I said, it's it's one of those things of if you are going to decide to compete, you need to be realistic mm. of, okay, this is the level that these guys are at. And I think that's primarily, uh, it's a big reason why I, I like the, the Masters divisions. Because the older you get, you're not really, like you said, you could be like a hobbyist who competes once or twice a year. And more than likely, you're going to be 30, 35 plus. So it kind of gives you that, is that sort of not advantage but it gives you that break of okay i'm not going in there with a 23 year old killer who trains six days a week who's a blue belt but you know isn't you know and i'm gonna get absolutely smashed by him in 90 seconds yeah i don't know my thoughts are a little bit different on that because I've, i've had both ends of the scale right I'll happily move between Masters 1 and adult, right, being 32. Mm. But soon coming on to Masters 2, I imagine, at some point as well. Um, I am in three weeks. Oh, look at you. <laughs> Getting fucking old, you are. I am, um, And then darting through, because obviously, one, I want different matchups with people. So, again, I was chatting to someone about this last night, that I, if I go to my weight category at Masters 1, I've got the same fucking three people in all the local comps. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not paying 80 quid to have a role with someone, which, for honest, is about a two-hour drive away. Yeah. Right. And we can just go to an open map for Fiverr and done. Drops a good and type thing if we really want to do that. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, I'd want to. I want to move around the different levels to see what availability is. And I know, obviously, again, this is another hot topic because there's just too many competitions out there. So like, I know you argue that trying to find you an opponent is next to impossible. Um, you diff- have to pay for a pay a fortune for it type thing. But it's um. Yeah, but that goes back to what you're saying about, you know, there might be a lot of comps, but for certain people, there's not that many options. No. And then, am I really going to want to pay 80 quid, a day off work, potentially, mm. drive there, whatever, to have one role? Yeah. When I could go to Elite's Open Mat once a month and get seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever, amazing roles. For £7.50. For £7, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, I don't get the £10... Medal. Medal, medal at the end of it, or the the that little, be a bit, or, 
That could be business or, idea. Or the, or the default silver yeah. or default gold podium Some picture problems. to blow smoke up my Instagram's ass. But you still get the same thing, didn't you? Maybe you should have an attendance medal for turn to elite open map. There we go, Joel. There's like, might have like a like a Costco card, a Costco card. You know what I mean? Get your tenth open map free on us. But, but to me, it's like okay, you've not got that thing of that competition mindset as such, and I think that's where like the super fights are good or the super fight cards are good because okay, you've got an opponent, you've got a date, and and this is it. Mm. But yeah, I. I, I I can't get on board anymore, the whole... No. I think you said to me recently, wasn't it? There was like, the opening price was like 65 quid or something. Yeah, it was. Like, it was. like just to join up for it. Like, grappling trees is a little bit more, but they try and guarantee you matches. But even looking for your opponents at that time, again, it was just next to impossible, like, to even guarantee it. And then I think there definitely seems to be, like, this vacant area that I know a lot of the purple belts that I know locally will end up doing, like, black belt division. Yeah, or black belt rule set. If they're allowed to, yeah. If they're allowed to, and they'll, they'll just jump into it and go, right, I've got more opportunities here just to try and test myself, which kind of comes back to that point I was going to make there about the Masters, is that I've rolled against some individuals where I felt bad beating them because of they've had to merge brackets before. Mm. I was joking about it. Like, I had to fight a um, deaf guy before. You were horrible. Bastard. I know, horrible, I know. <laughs> right? I had to Ezekiel him, and he was, again, doing sign language to the ref to say that he was trying to tap and stuff like this. And I was like, right, okay, final stop type thing. What? I know, that was the first match. Second match was against a 17-year-old who wanted to go in the adult division. And do you know what my coach's, uh, coach's words are? Don't give a fuck if he's 17 or not, you're going to fucking kill him. I'm like, all right, Jim. Well, yeah, you go, welcome to the adults, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you said, call me daddy. <laughs> What was I trying to get him with? There was something I was trying to get him with, but he was just holding for dear fucking life. Eventually, not, not an oil check, I hope. No, mate. He was holding on for a dear... <laughs> <laughs> like Thanos. <Yeah. laughs> I can't fucking remember what it was, but he was just not... He was having none of it. He was eating it. He was in the gi as well. I haven't been in the gi for fucking months now. Is that a bad fuck, thing? Fuck the gi. <laughs> I don't, but I just know it's gonna be. Start, I know it's basically the whole of the cl- oh, club. is gonna look at me as in disgust, like, "Oh, you're not a gee guy." And I'm like, "Oh, I just, I'm just, I'm been in it for like four or five months now." So I, I watched uh, a video that Rich Rubino posted. Was it Eddie uh, the other day? Which was the thing about gee versus no gee. Yeah, and it was it was very true. You know, I joke and I say fuck the gee and everything else, but like like I said in the video. If you've got ultimate amounts of time and you can do both, then great, do both. Mm. But if you don't and you only like competing in one or you prefer just doing one, then just do one. Like, yeah. I, I really don't like the whole old school thing of, oh, you should always train the gi. Because like any good thing, things progress mm. and people progress. And like it or not, like apart from, I mean, you've got to give credit to guys like Marigali and that who are now bringing a bit of limelight back to gi competition, yeah. which is great. But primarily, like, no geese where it's at. I think the interesting thing is, right, I'm not going to... If if WNA put on a card and it's all gee, yeah. if they have big names... You'll watch. I'll watch it. Of course. Like, I'm not going to turn it off and be like, oh, gee, no, No, but that. that but that's marketing 101, isn't it? And that's, again, why guys like Marigali have, have kind of got the light bulb and gone, ah, okay. Yeah. So if, if guys like Golden are doing this for no gee, Surely I can be a bit controversial and start some yeah. shit and then do it for Guy, and he has. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the point of it, being the sense that I think I enjoy... I, I think the other thing, is, I don't know if it's just that point of that journey where I'm looking more into leg stuff now, mm. that 
area to bar uh, like a barrier to entry, right? Gee stuff, there's nothing out there that's going to allow me to do that until I'm black belt, basically, or brown belt in terms of leg entries. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, that's a long way away. Whereas within, again, no gi world, I can start looking at that sooner. Trials is a perfect example of that. Do you know what I mean? You can, but you can always develop your, your techniques on that, and I know we had this conversation, but you can always develop your techniques without having to use them in competition. <laughs> we'll save that for a bit. I know you're trying, but I know what you're trying to poke <coughs> no, on that just, one. Yeah, but that is a point. Yeah, I, well, okay, we'll bring it up then. I think for my club, and I don't think this is anything against uh, what we do here in that sense, and I, I kind of agree with this, so this might be an interesting topic we both don't, don't necessarily agree on. Um, when they've got a major comp that they're focusing on, Right, so for the last, before the trials, we had 12 weeks of no-gi training, right, all ADCC rule set, mm -hmm. and actually that's a, this, this kind of like adds to my point, right, when we turned up to ADCC London, right, you had people arguing with the refs, not knowing what the fuck's going on, yeah, not understanding why they, they got points and why they're having like um, points taken away from them, mm -hmm. or like disadvantages and advantages, stuff like that, right, yeah. And everyone from our club, yeah, knew exactly what was going on. Not to say they were arguing with the ref with certain things, because obviously typically for an ADCC match you have three refs, one on the mat and two behind actually all judging at the same time. It's not just a, a guy on a keyboard going, plus four, plus two, or yeah, a fucking yeah. thing. And they would confer with each other at the end as well, type of thing, for the like, decisions and stuff. And we knew what was happening, if that makes sense. Because yeah. you've been training the rule because set. Because we've been it. training the rule set, yeah. right? On the other side, there's people who didn't turned up, thought it was just a normal <laughs> IBJJF, but with extra rules in there, type of or extra allowances type of thing, and it all went tits up. But your kind of view is saying it's kind of the, it hinders the game slightly. No, I think it hinders the game on the opposite stance. I think that I don't get me wrong. Small time frames, yeah, fine, get that. If, like you said, so say you you've got IBJJF comps coming up, yep, and you haven't got anything. Other, um, like say trials or whatever for six months, yeah. Right, and every single training session you do, say you're in a position like okay, we'll, we'll use your example from earlier on, you're in K guard, yeah. And ordinarily, you'd go, All oh, right, uh, K guard, I'll work, I'll, I'll work into a leg entry from here, yeah, yada yada yada. And then you go, and this is every training session now, I don't mean just comp specific sessions. You go, Oh no, I can't do that because I've got a, a comp coming up. To me, if you're doing that for an extended period of time, your technical ability and your muscle memory and everything else will start to shut down. Mm. And I think that as an athlete, you, you should be able to know techniques and on comp day, use the, the ones which you're allowed to use and not use the ones which you're not allowed to use. It's yeah. not difficult for me to go into a comp and go, okay, I can't reap or I can't heel hook. But I get your point and I... I, I Fully appreciate and understand, especially when it comes to a difficult rule set like ADCC. Yeah, it, it's smart. Took, yeah, if we took the rule set out, let's say take the ADCC rule set out and talk about IBJJF stuff. Yeah, this is where this this sort of like conversation stemmed from more so than anything else. And I think the one thing that I'm quite keen on is sort of uh, not say visualization, but like familiarization and like surrounding yourself in that environment to the point where people take the piss when they see MMA guys who will recreate that fight night experience let's say and then mm. kind of walk in with the music and then get into the cage have the fucking vaseline put on their face and that type of thing and like get themselves in that environment knowing like this is what's going to happen type of thing yeah, yeah but I, th I think 
I think if you've got sequences mm. that you can go to under that rule set, great, use them. Use them in your comp prep and everything else. Again, similarly, if you've got three competition classes a week, okay, only do it for those. But for the other, say, four sessions, I don't really think there's any point in in getting yourself stuck in certain positions going on. Oh, I don't know what to do now because I don't, I don't think because I can't I can't enter the legs. Like say you're in uh, a, I don't know a half butterfly, mm. right? And ordinarily you would enter into a saddle. Yeah. Right. But now you're like, oh, well, I'm not allowed to do that. Well, I don't. I, it may be my fault in terms of the way I may have told you about it, but I, I know from our plate, our plates in particular, it's not the case. You can never enter the legs, right? I appreciate the schools out there who like you don't do legs at all. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Which is just a stupid yeah. type of thing. And I think, again, if you are rolling with someone, so I was rolling with, who was I rolling with on Friday? Jay, Combat Jay. So he actually does um, Combat Jiu Jitsu. Mm. Uh, but not the t- not the stuff that we know recently where it's like allowing some slaps type of stuff. It's like more, uh, I want to say it's even more Japanese Jiu Jitsu, traditional stuff, if that makes sense. So um, he's happy to do anything. Right, leg locks, you name it, that type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's just to have that brief conversation, which, again, I know you have with different people, like, you're happy to do legs type thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then go from there, they've got no issue with it. The instructor is going to be like, no, how dare you, you're not allowed to do that type of thing. I yeah. think it's just, I think it's more aiming towards, right, okay, if that's the comp you're aiming for, then let's just play to that rule set. There's no point in trying yeah, to... Yeah, I get that. that. I, just, I just think... One final sponsor shout-out to the team at Inner Chimp. Inner Chimp is a brand name that really speaks to grapplers and fighters, one we can believe and relate to on a personal level. Inner Chimp is simply catchy, right? And with small tweaks can be your general gym wear and casual wear and rash guards like this for men, women, and children. Inner Chimp is ethically produced and has turned down cheaper production overseas to ensure this understanding we only have one earth right which we need to look after this is at the forefront of their production decisions and we want you our listeners and viewers to have a sense of accomplishment in knowing that you are doing your part when buying their products inner chimp tees are 100% organic cotton they're packaging 80% recycled cardboard and all of their products are designed to last their production and manufacturing is in the UK trying and aiming to be as eco-friendly as possible leaving close to zero global footprint but to put it simply inner chimp has a massive passion for the sport attention to detail and our planet in mind and always at the forefront of your own inner chimp go check out their website www.inner-chimp.co.uk or go check out their instagram at inner underscore chimp thank you for your time like you said if there was a school- the way you the way you explained it if you're doing six months of every session, only doing IVJFF rules, I think that's going to hinder you. Yeah, I, I think I think hinder is going to hinder your long term technical progression, and I think you should have comp classes where you're going to do that, and I think there should be regular classes where you're just going to develop your jujitsu game overall. But then I think there's to some degree there's especially more top level, right? You see a lot more guys sitting in camps in terms of what they aim for. Yeah. Yes. You've got some guys, take Joseph Chen, for example. My naivety may be completely against this mm. on this. I've not seen him do much IBJJF stuff. No. Right? All been trials, all been sub-only stuff. Yeah, because they like they don't like the hindrance of that rule set. Right. Now, you've got other people, for example, Colabate, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's had an invite back to ADCCA, but again, I don't see any, I know he's obviously on WNO, but it doesn't seem like it's... He does IBJFF stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but it doesn't seem like it hinders him. But do, yeah, but do you think that he works zero leg entries for six months? No. Like, that's, that's my point. Mm. 
Do you know what I mean, it's it's not they're doing all of it, and they will do sessions specific to the rule sets. That's why you call them camps as well, because they will have camps for certain stuff. So probably better to tell you that it's within comp classes in particular. Yeah, well, that, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's that's, that's smart, yeah. especially with difficult rule sets like ADCC, where a lot of people struggle. I mean, IBJFF is simple enough. Mm. I think you're a purple belt. You can only do straight heel, uh, straight footlocks. Can't do knee bars. Can't do heel hooks. Okay, sound. Can't slam. Okay, sound. Can't. Was it crucifix or twisters? Cool. Yeah. That's simple enough. It's not. It's not intricate positional points and stuff like that. Where mm. oh, your takedown. You have to pin their shoulders. Yeah, it's interesting when we talk like drilling rule sets and stuff like that about people not. <laughs> This is, the, this is the funny one for ADCC, and I saw some people rack some fucking insane numbers up, right? <clears throat> Closing and relocking the body triangle from the back. Uh, I disagree with that. ADCC give you points for it, though. And I saw some people rack up some fucking insane scores because they were like, oh, look, I've unlocked the body triangle because they, they've just touched the foot. They've relocked it. No formal points. Yeah, but that, that's such a common thing when you've got a body triangle and they roll to the body triangle, you'll unlock it and lock it on the other side. Yep. And then like, more your points. position hasn't changed. Like, you, you've stopped your body triangle becoming a, a liability to you by yep. switching it to the other side. And yes, okay, for a very split second, you've given them an opportunity to escape and you've re-established. But it's not like... I'm, I think I remember before... Um, I can't remember the particular rule in IBJFF where if you get mount or back, you can't, like, re-score without actually changing your position first. I think so. It's on those lines. It's the same... I think it's the same to do with turtle uh, initiation as well. Yeah. So I know in ADCC, if you go to turtle... Makes no fucking difference, right? Yeah. It's like literally like the safe haven for it. Whereas, in, I think in IBJJF, it's not so much the case sometimes. So you get an advantage for mm. turtling, but that used to be a thing of uh, avoiding getting scored on. So Chico used to say to us on on certain sessions, he'd say, "Okay, tonight I don't want you getting mounted." He's like, "Give your back, give side control, give north south, give whatever you want, but do not get mounted." So if someone passed your guard to side control yep. and they stepped over to mount you'd roll and give your back you'd never give them out yeah. but you'd, give you, back. you can give other stuff or you can roll to turtle you still wouldn't give up mount yeah. next session it'd be don't give your back so give your mount go to turtle go back give mount whatever you want I why clubs don't do that much more because like I said you've, you've come to different sort of classes with me where it's been the case of right we're doing positional sparring mm. but that's an interesting concept in terms of like don't give this again because I've been given instruction also I want you to work leg entries and back attacks only mm. I'm like okay cool so that's what I'm hunting yeah. for if that makes sense but I don't have ever had it before of like don't let them get don't let them get mount or don't let them get side control type thing you've got to evade well that. it will just build your your defence on it it's, it's almost like say uh, an IVJFF guys use this a lot where if they're about to pass your guard you'll just roll the tool yeah because they're not going to get the points for passing your guard and securing a position You'll they'll get an advantage for you going to turtle. Mm. So you don't you'll you'll go to turtle. You'll be in a pretty shitty spot potentially, yeah. but you're not going to get scored on. And that was the theory behind it. And also, it just develops your overall defensive strategies for certain positions. I'm guessing the guys who are on attack were told to try and aim for mount. I'm guessing. No, it's just a case of oh, just free that, roll. That was like, it. That was your so like, yeah. if I was going to pass your guard and I was going to end up with side control. You could turn away from me. You should never turn away realistically. No. But 
if you're not going to give up three points and you end up in turtle. Or a Gothlock. Or a Gothlock. <laughs> but you, you could potentially give your back from there and it'll be worse. Yeah. But you deal with that when it comes. Mm. You, know, you still haven't given up three points and given up side control. No, not at all. Um, here's a good interesting question I wanted to bring up with you. So uh, I'm using all different cover names for this, right? So I don't Person A. Person A. I'm just going to give some random fucking names for this. So let's say you got invited to a WNO bracket, right, with 16 people. You're promised, I don't know. Let's say. Uh, who can we pick? Let's just go with Kainan Duarte. Right, right. That's the guy that's going to be in the bracket. You've got this opportunity. And they've reached out to a lot of, like, let's say, local fighters, yeah, from a different country. So let's say Kainan Dwight is coming to the UK, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, on WNO, and we want you to be part of this bracket at this weight bracket, and there's a 5K cash prize, right? Oh, okay. So quite fucking, like, appealing in that sense. Yeah. It's developing. They're getting some more names. They're making more announcements for this bracket. Think, oh, cool! This is a wicked event. It's going to be put together. And it turns out, Kainan's not actually in that bracket anymore, and he's now the main event and fighting someone else. Right? Let's right. say it's like Kainan versus I don't know Nicholas Marigali All of a sudden, so he's not in that bracket. Yeah. You get invited, but you've obviously thought you could be fighting Kainan. How do you feel about that altogether? Because you're on the card, which is cool. Obviously, he's <laughs> going to bring some eyes to it. But you were told originally. You're going to be fighting Kynan. <laughs> or potentially have the opportunity to fight Kynan in a, in a bracket. It depends how much weight I put on that. Yeah. So, in the sense of if I only agree to do it on the premise that I get the chance, or I'm going to be in the same bracket as Kynan, so I yeah. get eyes on me and all that sort of stuff. And it, it also depend on, you know, how I thought they dealt with it. So, if I thought that they kind of did it just to get me on and then fuck me over and pull him off just to build a good bracket then that would piss me off um there's also other things like do i get to fight the winner of kainan and marigali if i win that's the bracket true. that's true i think like i said like that would be a good opportunity to set up the next season of it or next i don't know wno option if that makes sense wrong i i 100 believe that there are organizers out there who will lure people in to build their card and with promises which they know are not true mm. But again, it depends on trust and, you know, the only person you could ask would be Kynan of, were you originally supposed to be in the bracket or... Or was it a super fight the whole time? Or was it, well, yeah, yeah, because, no, because if it was a super fight the whole time and they've just chatted shit to you to get you on the card, mm. then yeah, fuck them. Fuck them. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be cool with that. Nah. But then, silver lining, isn't it? You're on the same card as him, you can get to maybe win five grand. And, most importantly, to get the five grand, you haven't now got to beat Kynan Dwight. <laughs> so there's a lot more pros to that which, which, is, which is a good point <laughs> there's a lot more pros to that scenario rather than it being a negative like other than the fact like I said you were kind of sold a pipe dream of like oh you can fight Conan Duarte all of a sudden and it's like yeah that being cool oh, but again it depends on how much of that is is true in terms of the was it an intentional pipe dream mm. but yeah like you said now you haven't got to fight a guy who's a shoe in to win it yeah it's interesting like I said, it was a bit of a bit of a strange one, obviously, because again, with this uh, hypothetical card that we're talking about that's going on, um, lots of hype around it. Some real big names that have been invited along to it, type of thing. Going to be interesting. I just like seems a little bit snaky, in my opinion. It is sneaky if if the intentions or the deception was <laughs> intentional. Based on the hypothetical messages that I've received, right, that was what was told to them, and I was just like, yeah. But what I mean is, like, was that athlete? 
originally scheduled for the bracket, or were they always supposed to do the super fight? No, they were supposed to be in that bracket. That was the, that was what was told to them originally, and that's and that's been sent to you. Yeah, yeah, but I mean to the athlete. In uh, to the, what to the actual super fight? So to the, Kynan in this instance. To Kynan yeah. in this instance, yeah. was he originally told you're going to be in this bracket, or was he always told we'll you're just know. here for a That'll super fight? That'll be Kynan or the promoter, basically. Exactly. They'll know that, but so. yeah. Well, like I said, I think the nice thing about it is least. This hypothetical card, which actually is happening in the UK, is getting some eyes on. We've got some good prize money in there as well. The people that are being reached out for this is actually quite interesting as well. We've got a, quite a mixed bag. Um, obviously, one of the people I was there with last night's on there. We've obviously got one from our club who's going to be on there and that type of stuff, type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I mean, five, is it actually five grand? Fun grand season. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Mike's going, where's my fucking invite? <laughs> yeah, I'll fight for you. will make under 80 kg. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Drop my leg off. <laughs> I'll probably give away too much about what his fucking competition is before I get shot in the, shot in the head for this. Yeah. But um, no, I was just like, like I said, it's a bit of an interesting one. Other thing I wanted to chat about was like trials, right? In the sense that. Some nice highlight reels. I joked with someone last night that it seems to be all highlight reels just seem to be guys who seem to be fighting on uh, pub carpets, basically. Cody Steele? Yeah. <laughs> that was one hey, of the... Suplex was fucking mental. I just love his style. He's so exciting to watch. Just super scrambling. Oh, mate, yeah. Does not. He was, like, sprawling <laughs> over people into, like, certain yeah, positions. the guy went in the turtle and he literally sprawled on top of yeah. him, like, full, like, literally, like, dropped his weight on yeah. top of him and just, like, get stick the fuck down. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it always seems to be the same highlight reel for every ADCC trial. They want it off the mat. I'm like, why the fuck keep the mat in the first place? Make it all the fucking viral clear. <laughs> I like it, though. It's exciting. Yeah. Get out of the way, get out of the way, get out of the way. Plus, like, stopping the action when you're in, like, a dominant sequence is, like, I mean, that's what I always used to hate about guys rolling off the mat intentionally. You're like, fuck off. And then they, they restart you in a neutral position. Like, you should have seen one of the resets last night. Jesus fucking Christ. Guy was basically that far away from like locking in a triangle, prom- mm. like permanently. They didn't roll off the mat. They were on the edge of the mat. Mm. They reset them both stood up. That, yeah, I can't. When the ref went over to reset, I'm like, don't, please tell me he's not going to reset. It's going to be impossible to try and understand. Like, was that triangle like fully locked in? Because it wasn't. It was like close. Do you know what I mean? To being in the knee pit type of thing. But did he have his arm out? Uh, yeah, he had his arm out. Like oh yeah, me. If if his arm was out and his legs were over his shoulder, hundred percent in that same position. Give. I mean, at least you get the. the oh, do you mean arm? Do you mean arm out? Is in like one arm in, one arm out. Yeah. That's yeah. What, okay. Yeah. So, at least for the guy who's in the triangle on the reset, when they say go, he knows that he can just shoot his head to the sky as best he can and try and get out of it. Like, that's, that is a pretty good compromise, I think. Like, standing up is just madness. Just stand up, yeah. Just stand up, it's yeah, easy. That's, that's, just, that's what it is, bro. That's yeah. what it was all different. Anyway, back to your original point. Back to my original point, yeah, just fucking restarts on that. But yeah, um, original point about ADCC. I, this is gonna sound so unalpha in the sport that we are in. I somewhat feel bad for some of these guys who are training three times a day. Not bad for the guys who are turning up to trials, right? Mm. Technically, like you and me going, like, I'm just going to give us a bash and see what the fuck I have. And you drawing Gordon in your fucking first open match type of thing. And basically being hounded for viral views type of thing and just being absolutely smashed to shit, right? I'm like, long live the king. <laughs> <laughs> I forget you're a big fan of it. Um, what was the message I sent you the other day when you found out Gordon was in the UK? I bet you're fucking wetter than an otter's pocket at the moment. No. <laughs> I, he's, he's great, but yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I'm like, what's the fucking point? Like, surely... 
but then I think you mentioned what was it like you've got that fighting like, puncher's chance or whatever you want to look at it type thing yeah I mean every almost every big competitor was at that point at yeah. one stage or another and you look at guys who've come through the trials not all of them have been really known high level grapplers you know ADCC is not generally just uh, an eight man bracket of the who's who all the time mm. there's you know, two or three guys. Well, you get upsets, don't you? Like, obviously, Jacob Couch was supposed to make the trials last uh, last time, didn't get through, type of thing. Yeah. J-Rod obviously got through to the trials and got eliminated in the first fucking match at ADCC, which was, again... The... I mean, yeah, and even, like, domestic guys, like I said to you before, like, um, 2019 ADCC, like, was it 2019 or last one? That would have been COVID, yeah, COVID, so if it went on, like, again, I was just... What year did Ash Williams qualify? Uh, it was the last one. So, 22. that would have been well, 2023 now, we were on the trial, so it would have been 2022. Yeah, so 2022, he would, so he would have qualified yeah. in 2021. Yeah, so, but at that point, he wasn't like a super well-known high-level grappler. He's, he's obviously amazing, but it gives guys who've got talent, like, uh, what's his name, we just beat Ash in the trials. Owen Jones. Owen Jones, right? Gives guys like him... I know, I know the guys you're on about. I know you're saying like the average gym goer guy mm. or whatever, but it brings up people who who won't have a chance to do it, and yeah. you never know. That's interesting. Like now you put Owen Jones into that conversation because again, not saying he wouldn't be capable of doing it, but again, if you look at the credentials, he's a purple belt, mm. right? Been on some big shows, Polaris, you name it, type of thing, yeah. right? Been holding himself. He hasn't been winning everything in the UK, no. right? He's done well at quite a lot of So them. I think he's a better example than your average gym-goer guy yeah. who competes because, yes, but then my answer to that is, well, if you're not, if you're really that bad, then don't go. <laughs> I mean, you give it a shot, yeah. I mean, yeah. but that, that's, like I said to you, it's about, it's almost like the halfway shot on a basketball court. It just comes The back. odds are slim, but mm. if, if it's your day, it's your day. It's still this argument, I just feel like there should be a pro division. But they, but correct me if I'm wrong, but they hold a separate comp, don't they, at the venue? So they've got like the main trials, but mm. they've also got like the the standard ADCC comp attached. To uh, it. They do. So if I yeah. was to go to Poland, the last one, they had opportunities for you to go in like intermediate, novice, and all this type of stuff. Yeah. And then you had pro division, which was like the this trials. Is, this is yeah. the trials, basically. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've always got that option, but. It, it depends on it. If you want that experience of where where am I at, or do you want to give it a one in the middle in shot? If I mean it's like the lottery. If you don't play, you're never going to win. Yeah, it's interesting. And I don't feel bad because, or I wouldn't feel bad because you know. If you're in that same circumstance, would you take it against them? Probably, wouldn't you? Plus, if they're crap, I'd be like, well, that's an easy opening match. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you're so, you're so, honestly, you're so. I don't know what the fucking word is. It's not. It's not pessimistic on that. What's the word? Harsh. Harsh. That's it. <laughs> Bitch, please move over. Let me just well, fucking sub you. <laughs> yeah, but it's one of the things, isn't it? Like you said, I, all all credit to him and good luck to him. If if you want to go to a trials and give it a shot, fucking right, give it a go because you never know. It could be your day. See, I had that. Look at Lachlan Giles. Yeah. He he's a very good example of that because yes he was at ADCC but nobody expected him to to get past the first or second round especially in the absolute mm. like everyone thought he'd get crushed and he heel hooked three of the biggest dudes there 
Kynan, Mohammed, and uh, Patrick. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, now you're a Cinderella story. Yeah. No, it's funny. I, I, again, I, I had full fucking intentions to go to trials, but my fucking ankles kept on like, being like chocolate all the fucking time. I mean, I don't think you should go to trials. Mate, you fuck know. it, I'll give it a bash. What's the worst going to happen? I get fucking on a, vi- a viral... <laughs> mate, I'll go on a viral rail, I'll take my top off, I'll write BJJ Nutrition all over me, and then... Yeah, like, wouldn't you be super heavy as well? Oh, mate, I'm at ultra at the moment. That's a different fucking story. Woke up and I was like, what am I doing in this I bracket? I would love to see you against Big Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to see him mother's milk. <laughs> <laughs> Is this before or after his knee bar, mate? <laughs> he might do both. He might just knee bar you and then let you go before you tap. James Moore tried to do that to me the other night, he did. He tried to do that whole uh, hip in knee bar. Yeah, I've been doing it. Oh, mate, I literally I felt I it come along. I think I tried it on him a few times. I felt it come along. Again, it was the... Was it the, the first open mat Olympians after Polaris, after, sorry, Gav, I know obviously you got subbed you're the greatest guy in the world, but he got subbed against Andy Roberts, mm. and he got subbed that knee bar, like drop-in knee bar type It's very tight if you set it up right. Yeah, but I could sense it happening, and I was like, right, and I literally like bent my knee outwards and like got it round, I was like, I'm not letting you fucking do that type of thing straight away. So yeah, but one of, the, one of the key things that people miss when they actually do the move aside from when you walk to straighten up the hips, Mm. is they don't scoop around the leg enough. A lot of people still have like a body grip. Right. So if you haven't locked down my hip with your hand, I can move my knee. Whereas if you've scooped my leg, it's a lot more difficult for me to... James, don't take notes. That's how I think I'm pretty sure I got out of it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been trying it and playing with it because I go to over-under passing a lot anyway. Yeah. But it is is a nasty stuff. It's fucking nasty, man. It just comes out of nowhere, though. It's getting like... But I was trying to think. So I felt like I was sensing like a lockdown was about to happen. No, mm. would it happen on the bottom of the lockdown? No, it wouldn't. I would have to lock, lock down him, so that makes no sense. Ignore that. It, it comes from an over-under pass. So yeah. when they scoop your leg, and obviously are like a half guard, but they scoop your leg onto their shoulder, that's mm. when it'll come. And it's a Mason Fowler move, not a big band move. Just saying. Sorry. I know there's some people in the... In hey, the in I love Mason Fowler and he don't get enough credit for that because yeah, he, yeah. he did that before Big Dan. So I had a lot of credit for Mason Fowler. It's just when he went up to the ultra bracket, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, someone's looking very chunky and very swole for whatever reason. But it was just like... <laughs> what, like 60% of the, the rest of them? <laughs> mate, oh, mate, well, that's the funny thing. Obviously, with fucking UFC and you started taking a fucking bow out all of a sudden. I, my, my theory was the whole Mark Hunt uh, I was going to say, did you see? Did you see him and Gordon go at it? What Mark Hunt and Gordon? Yeah. No, what they going? So if you go on Mark's Instagram, he actually put a post of Gordon, and he said, you know, long lines of this stupid kind. Of, yeah. Know, yada, and Gordon responded because Gordon's argument was, if you have PDs, the athletes will be recovering better. They'll fight. They'll be more marketable. Uh, they'll have a bit more longevity, less injuries, that type of thing. Yeah. Right, which is one weird way of the argument, but at the same time, you're kind of saying, well, everyone has to be on it then, whereas a lot of people just don't want to be on steroids. So that's a, you know, it's a big thing. And Mark obviously came out and said, like, you don't know the fuck you're on about, yada, 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 try having a real fight and whatever else. And Gordon basically said, all right then. <laughs> he, he basically said, I fancy my chances. He said, you might knock me out. He said, but if I get to your legs, then you're fucked. Which is true, 
I shouldn't say a stereotype. I've literally got a Rikishi fucking like bomb. Whatever well, he does look like Rikishi. <laughs> <laughs> the Rikishi bomb. Like yeah. imagine I'm Gordon. I'm just gonna sit on your head and there uh, you go. Get I my mean, legs in. in fairness, I would fancy Mark Hunt in that. I would as well, mate. Yeah, Mark's a very good boxer. <laughs> he's a very good boxer. And let's be honest, he's yeah. not the tallest of guys. So all of a sudden, like Gordon, like have to deal with him fucking sprawling on top of him. That's not it's last. not even the sprawl, mate. It's, it's Gordon getting in on him before he gets hit. <laughs> like uppercut. Coach. You'd have to like shoot a very low single. Maybe butt scooting the whole way. All that, yeah. 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 Or you could do the good old one against Bo Nickel and Donkey Guard his ass. But Mark's case is actually in six days, I think. I think already he, I I thought he's already done. Dusted with has been cancelled has been like it's gone gone against him. He didn't oh, win. Yeah. I don't think he won. This is why I think like the whole of this has kind of stemmed from is the sense that USC won that case. Yeah. I looked at his Instagram the other day and he said it's on in eight days. And this is like a appeal or something like that going on with a header. But I read somewhere that it got, it went out, right? And obviously it's not happened. And I think from the UFC standpoint is that they can't dismiss the USADA usage mm. because of that going on, right? Because I think it then give mark more of a like argument against it. Because this was all over the Brock Lesnar 200 thing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, basically. And then um, from there, obviously, they then said, all right, we're not... Mark's lost his case. They then said, all right, we're not partnering with the US side anymore because we don't want this legal battle ever happening again. Mm. And then that's where they're at. Now, I appreciate it's obviously... I think Wes put in the group chat about how like they're going to go in house, which makes sense. It's probably going to be a lot more co- like less costly for them yeah. to do that. But at the same However, time, <laughs> yeah. there is a lot of uh, fiddling to be done there. But this is the whole argument of like one saying that on oh, their contracts, like we have no problem with you taking steroids, right? Because it comes back to the marketability type of thing. Or, you better recover, type of thing. All of a sudden, we can yeah. get you like always, fighting more often. It's like I won't test you today yeah it's you know, like, you know, are we testing you on tuesday the 13th of january like january exactly. like 2024 you're like ah cheers mate but thank you like like people many people have said the the business of uh cheating drug tests is multi-millions oh 100 like, like for people who think that it's it is a fully clean sport deluded like like I said, people pay a lot of money to be able to cheat well, these it's drug tests. It's, it's, it's the argument, right? And they're always going to be chasing when it comes to like testing for drugs and stuff is the fact that when you look at state-funded programs, right, mm. their budget is in the fucking millions, yeah. right? When you're looking at some things like a testing, which is costing the, the sporting association money, right, no sporting association is fucking flooded with it. Yeah, and plus, do they what's the incentive for them to be spending that kind of money? Other than having a clean sport, now I appreciate people like Matt Benyon said about how you should have a clean sport and all this type of jazz and everything, but it's gonna be really hard for you to sort of live by your sword, die by your sword type thing, and be like, yeah. oh, everything should be natural and all this type of jazz. I just don't think you're gonna really fucking struggle unless there's a unison at the top level where it's like this is the case. And I think with the corner, the corner situation. Um, I think he has been transparent with the UFC because mm-hmm. I saw a press release by, I want to say it's Hunter Campbell. Yeah. One of the guys where he said, you know, Connor's been the most tested athlete in the UFC. I think Paul Acosta must have come close second then. Yeah. But he also kind of alluded to the fact that they know connor has been on stuff because mm. he said he had a catastrophic leg injury, which the doctor said without certain drugs, he wouldn't have recovered from. This is the funny thing, right? It's because you get... Uh, I don't know, the casual UFC fan, right, or MMA fan, who lose their shit over the, that type of stuff. Like, oh, he's taking steroids, he's a cheat, right? And they'll love football to the day they die, right? 
I love bringing up his comments to them all the time. Lionel Messi wouldn't be in the position if he was in if he didn't have human growth hormone funded no, by but, Barcelona. But this is the thing, like <laughs> most people are under the, the massive misconception and the delusion that PEDs didn't first have a medical application. They did, they got abused, that's the problem. So I ended up doing a dissertation. Sort of but originally they, they all have medical applications. Tren has a medical application. <laughs> However, so, it then becomes a designer drug as such, because it's not one of the natural sort of, what do they call it, the the sort of natural derivatives, like te like basic test yep. is something that you produce. Yep. So they call it, I can't remember what they call it, but they call it... Oh, you got exogenous and endogenous. In in no, there's one that's basically what they call a designer steroid and a natural steroid. Oh, uh, are you talking about like multiple different, like not uh, more complex compounds? Yeah, stuff. so yeah. when they, they add and they tweak it and all that stuff, whereas so, testosterone uh, is a... Yeah, testosterone you've got like just like test by itself and you've got things I remember back in the day like one rip which was a mixture of like trend test and something else yeah. basically which was like a shredder as they fucking used to advertise but, it. But with these types of injuries, I mean, I've known countless people who've had bad knee injuries who've used growth because it actually helps. Well, this is the thing. So D-Ball, right, one of the original fucking like PEDs you want to look at back in the day, mm. was originally used for um, repairing skin burns. Yeah. Right? And they saw incredible muscle growth. People turn around, absolutely no problem. Fantastic. And then the person obviously looked into it, it fucking leaves me now, so I did a whole paper on it at the time. Then went, well, oh, I wonder what it'd be like if I put this in an athlete, right? Oh, Describe yeah. the athlete X amount. What then happened? The athlete then abused the dosage. Well, of course they do. And then it was like, oh, okay, cool. The athlete was saying things like 100 times the amount and then I was having problems with but it. But this, this is what I wanted, because I, I saw in the comments of the Mark Hunting where people were arguing to and from, and Mark was saying, yeah, but you know, these drugs will kill people and, and you die from steroid use and all this sort of stuff. And I wanted to scream at my thing going, like with everything, right? It's if, you, if you go out on the piss, yep. a moderate amount, we'll use, we'll use the terminology moderate, right? You're not going to die, right? If you drink a bottle of whiskey every fucking day, yep. right? You are going to die at some point a very, very sh short amount of time. Yep. Same with drugs. If you do a line of cocaine once a month, you're yep. probably not going to die. But if you do five grams a day, you probably are going to die a bit quicker. Heard it here first. Do one line a month. <laughs> one, one line a month, guys. Keeps us living long. That could be your real. <laughs> a quick word about one of our sponsors, Grappler Soap. The team wanted to find, right, the best possible defense against skin infections, which normally we get from each other or off the mass. This, in turn, led Dan and the team into researching more about soaps and essential oils, which turns out has been used for thousands of years, actually, as a natural defense against infection during the plague. Slight twisted story here, but grave robbers in England knew of the power of essential oils and smothered themselves in it before exhuming and stealing corpses. Useless fact of the day for you there. But Dan and the team had tried several soaps before, but none of them just simply wowed them. So he started to make his own. Months more research, trial and error, led to finally this golden nugget, grappler soap, which you'll be pleased to know the recipe is CPR registered and approved by pharmacists. The use of a specific method to lock in the amazing natural smell, no cheap fragrances used here, which means the soap and use smell great and stand the best chance of staying healthy. Although the soap was developed for grapplers alike, it is now widely being used by non-grapplers. And Dan is always like, delighted to hear from customers about how it's cleared up dry and itchy skin or relieved eczema or just simply made you feel f***.
awesome. The smell alone has been a massive hit with men and women alike. So enough waffle for now. Go and get yourself some now at www.mrbassets.com or go check out their Instagram page for some very funny memes at Grapplers. So thank you guys. Um, <laughs> but it's every drug is is moderation and abuse, right? So yeah. same with gear. Like, don't get me wrong, as you get older, if you've abused it for a long, long period of time, you will have organ fit, you will have this, problems with the organs. You may, you might agree with this, because you're aware of this world, right? It's definitely coming more apparent that the more bodybuilding influencer people who are passing away currently, mm. I would say it's probably at least once a month at the moment. Probably. I mean, again... Like, so the people that I've, I've realised, there was obviously a guy called Neil Way. Yeah. He had fucking ginormous fucking legs. Mm. Again, like bodybuilder passed away, I think last month, I think it was. But month, they, month before that was the guy with the fucking weird fucking chest try. Is it Joey something, I think it was? Or it wasn't Joey no, Small, the foreign guy. Yeah, um, he yeah. passed away. And it's like... it's one of the, But it's one of those things where you, you've you got... It's, it's almost like, um, like a trifecta of issues that will come into it. Obviously, when you're big, your body doesn't actually want to be big anyway, right? So you're adding massive amounts of mass onto your organs, which already, yeah, right? Bones, so you got that, jazz, yeah. right? So you got the the longevity shortfall of that. Then you've got the abuse of it in the terms of if you start off on a hundred milligrams of test a week, right, and then you want to get big, and then you go, oh, my body's used to this now. I need to bump it up to two, yeah. then four, Same then a gram, coffee, then yeah, everything but... else, right? So now you're starting to you're at that point where your body won't even respond to a gram of test because you've abused it so much, you need to take more and more and more and more. Yeah. You know, all those types of things have that effect of, yes, you will, you know, shorten your lifespan. But in, if you're talking about, like, jiu-jitsu or MMA or whatever, these aren't guys who are using it to get absolutely stack-jacked and whatever. Unless you're Brazilian. Unless you're, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're but, I mean, but they're, yeah, but they're not bodybuilding is what I mean. No. Do you know what I mean? They're not using it to put on... I think that that's the problem, right? Where it comes, not say socially accepted, mm. right? They are trying to have the enhancements. Some people are absolute twats with their usage and that's why I joke about our oh, Brazilians using trend, for example, because that did happen, right? Yeah. And it was like, well, that's completely pointless. That is a... I shouldn't really be labelled as like that's a bodybuilding fucking steroid type thing, but where people are viewing it because people look at the top and always go, "What are they doing?" Well, of course, right? What's Gordon doing? What's his meal plan? What's his training structure like? What's his cycle? What's his cycle? <laughs> yeah, right. All this fucking jazz. Mm. Yeah, because they're going. If he's the best, of the best. He's undefeated, right? And even if you're not a fan of Gordon, there will be someone that you will then look up to. They, they are all on it. They are all on it. There's right. So many. There's there's literally the minority are not on it. Yeah, and that's when you get the likes of Mikey Musumeshi coming out. He's a bit. I don't know if he's just naive. Well, not to say naive to it, but just as done. He's not naive, but the. And it, it ties into the biggest argument that I despise. And I, I did, someone said this about Mika when he won um, the WNO recently. And they went, oh, yeah, but he's juicing. And I went, oh, oh is that what made him good at jiu-jitsu, is it? Yeah, mate, he's stabbing you more fucking needles. You absolute <laughs> fucking retard. Sorry, can I, can I say you retard? Mate, you can say whatever right. you want. <laughs> no, you're the one who no, 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 get all that <laughs> <laughs> No, but do you know what I mean? And it, it, it really infuriates me. It's the same with Gordon, it's the same with Alvin. They go, oh, but he's on steroids. And it, it, it's an argument that I hate. Um, I hate it even in, in gyms where people blame attributes mm. on 
their shortfallings of success, yeah. if you will. So if I'm a big, strong guy and the 85 kilo guy, same belt, is going, oh, well, you just use your strength. It's like, right, we'll use your speed then because you're quicker, I'm stronger. Mm. Gear, or steroids as they're politically known, will give you attributes. Yeah. They won't give you skill level. They won't give you technique. There's an interesting point, right? Because you could be on gear, yeah. right? But your cardiovascular could be a lot lower, right? There's yeah. also the argument that you have more lactose. Um, lactose? <laughs> Lact uh, Milk. <laughs> milk. Lactic acid. <laughs> Lactic acid. That's what I was yeah. thinking. You, know, I was like, you could have more of that build up all of a sudden yeah. and you have more muscle for that to go into, right? Yeah. And that's that whole argument of like, big muscular guys are going to gas fucking quickly. Right? Yeah, but don't get me wrong, right? The steroid side of it, you can increase your recovery by a fair bit, right? Yeah. Okay, so if you want to argue with me or just with anyone about the whole steroid thing, at least go down the most logical route of, well, he's better because his recovery's better, so he can train more and he can train harder, and that's why his technique is better. That is at least more of an that's argument of then going, oh, he's on gear, and I, I can't train as hard as him, or I can't train three times a day like him because my body's tired because I haven't got that exogenous recovery aspect. I think that's the statement in itself, because he recovers better, right? And I think that then in itself is that if you look at, which comes actually into another interesting point I wanted to bring up with you, right? And it's the fact that people seem to forget how powerful recovery is. Huge. Right? And if you go back to the olden days of Dorian Yates, I think it was, or even older than that type of thing, it's like, I want to recover really fucking hard so I can train harder again yeah. type of thing. And that was the focus time and time and time again. Which yeah. is smart because the whole thing around bodybuilding yeah. is the repair and growth of your muscles. Right. So for, to, you have to recover to repair, don't you? Exactly. And it's the interesting thing that within the jiu-jitsu world, it always just seems to be more is better. Right. And I'll be honest, I've had some interesting conversations with an individual. Take Mark Hibbard, for example. What's your yeah. recovery like, mate? Right. And he will tell Does you... Does he about, even sleep? Apparently not. <laughs> well, he sleeps when uh, I don't know, him and Beth want to do something. You just see a video on Beth's story of him just like, like this, just snoring away type thing. Um, but again, he has a hectic fucking training yeah. schedule, right? And don't get me wrong, it's nice to, to see an individual like that. And there's other people that come to mind where you have to force them to recover, if that makes sense, because they just don't think they've done enough, right? Mm. Which is, as a top level athlete, I'm like, that's what you should be striving for to some degree, yeah? yeah? leaving no stone unturned and still thinking you've not done enough type thing. But if he did recover that little bit more, had that day off, right? And it doesn't have to be day off in the sense of like, well, I'll joke to you, we'll see what I've got a fucking zone two bike now, as I want to call it from now on type yeah. of thing, for the winter type thing. But utilising that to their advantage, how much more better would they perform? Less is more, if that makes sense, yeah? And it comes back to the point of which I cannot get my head around, and I know you are just saying it's to do with money, why the fucking jiu-jitsu is there not an off-season, Right? Because you can compete every single day of the, every every single weekend, right? I appreciate I'm not talking. Let's, let's take the worldwide question out of it just at the moment, mm. right? Let's just take the UK scene alone. You can compete every single fucking weekend. Yes, yeah. but I will. I'll answer this quite easily. Okay. And I think I'll. Well, I think I'll answer it quite easily. Number one, there's umpteen amount of organisations. When you look at football, rugby, NFL, whatever, mm. there are key organisations, right? And they have leagues. Right, which is one thing. So when the top leagues and the top organisations have off-seasons, everyone is off. However, in Jiu-Jitsu, there are no leagues. Well, there are, there are some little leagues. But there's so many organisations who all need to make their individual buck that they have a certain amount of shows that they want to put on per year mm. and they don't clash them with other shows so they can maximise their revenue, yeah. which is why it ties in with money. 
But if you looked at IBJFF, uh, WNO, ADCC, IBJFF, yes, they travel, but how many shows per region do they do? So if they go around the if they go around the world, then they've got probably. More. We'll say we'll stick with the UK. So how stick many IBJFF shows are there in the UK per year? I think three. I think it's about three or four. Three or four. So you've right. got one a quarter, let's say. Yeah. One a quarter. So one every three months. All right. Then you tie that in with ADCC. How many ADCC comps are there per year? Again, it gives you talk. If you want to count Poland as the UK, because that would be the yeah. equivalent. So you got one basically, and you got um, one. Or, yeah, but you got the little ones as well. So yeah, so, two or three. So you got two. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that's just two organisations. But to them, they're not putting on shows every weekend. They are putting on shows once every three months. Still, let's say that's six shows, right? That's still six months a year. Yeah. Right? And then let's say, how much build-up would you want for that? But, yeah, but then you've got to look at football. Footballers do play and compete every week. But they have, they have, In the, the, yeah. but they have the off-season. They well. do, but they don't have the choice of not competing in their in-season. They are competing mm. every week. And I will guarantee you, if you were a jiu-jitsu competitor competing every single week, like sometimes twice a week because you've got the different competitions, you've got like UEFA Cup or whatever you call it, there will be a point in the year where you'll go, do you know what, I need a month off. I'm still going to train like footballers do in the off-season. They still train, but they don't compete. And there'll be that point where a a jiu-jitsu competitor will go, yeah, I'm going to take a month off competing now, just rest, heal up. I'll incredible. still train, I'll still tick over. Because like, if you look at Gordon, for example, he's basically got an MMA schedule. Yeah, because he's at the top of the, the heat. Mm. But then even the people below him, let's say top 20, right? Quite similar, I'd say. I mean, guys like Ethan Carlstein and, and those types of guys, they compete fairly regularly. Yeah, I'd say it depends on like, in terms of like what you mean by... If, it, if we're talking like a match, for example... Like, I think last time I seen Ethan out on the scene was Polaris, I think it was. Or Oliver Tarza, he competes quite a lot, yeah. right? But then again, you got the money side of it. Gordon can compete once a year and be financially fine, right? Guys like Oliver Tarza, who we'll use him as, as an example, he will need to compete a lot to get money to live. So to be you, able to fund the pipe dream of being a full-time athlete. So do you think it would improve the jiu-jitsu scene if they did have more, if it was more seasonal? Because bear in mind, you've got to lead from the front with this. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say because again, you can't you can't control. It's such a hypothetical because you can't control all these little organisations and competitions. Well, the reason those little competitions are coming around is to try and get that catchment of people who don't want to pay yeah, one fifty for registration the pie, and then one fifty yeah. per fucking comp for it to be stalled out within the first match type yeah. thing. Um, which again, that's just called competition, isn't it? It's not. It's it not monopolising the industry. It's just trying to figure out, like I said, one. I think at the moment the problem is the competition scene at the moment is that it's so hit and miss, right? So I was at a competition, uh, not the one last night, but another one previously, right? And it just really fucking bugs me, right? If you're putting on super fights, as they fucking call it for everybody. That's a trend now, isn't it? Yeah, super fights for every fucking thing, All right? Um, and they've got jigsaw mats as their main map. I'm like. I appreciate if you're starting out, it's your first fucking show, but surely you should put some money aside to like try and make the event and the experience like spot on. Yeah. Like we had, there was uh, on this one competition, there was a guy who won, right? The MC was nowhere to be found. So the ref's holding the hand, going like, what's going on here type thing? Yeah. And just little things like that. And then like, oh, one of them was like, oh, 
the team in the red corner has won via submission. Like just like, you just like. But again, you've got different standards for different shows. Some people will do it right. Other people won't. You look at Grapple Fest, right? Mm. Who are a big, su- who are a big super. They've got fight. rollout mats for the fucking training area at the back type of thing. Exactly. So they will do it right. They'll do it the right way. They'll invest money to make a good product. Other guys will go. Well, I want a piece of this pie. Like a a um, a show who I'm not going to name. I know actually. Fuck it. I will because I don't know. I'm Grapple Wars, right? right? <laughs> Grapple Wars. Their stipulation, right? Despite the fact they're in North Wales, which for us is Dandro, right? Their stipulation is you have to sell minimum of four tickets to compete on this show, right? That's their thing, right? right? So for me, right, I'm gonna, I'm, we'll take the distance out of it, even though that is a factor. So for me. How much the tickets have interest then? So we'll say the tickets, call the tickets 35 quid, right? So as a promoter. What's uh, 35 times by four? Four, eight, 12. 140. Basically, are like you going to do an IBJJF comp and have, still have one match? No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, right, they're saying to the athlete, right, so say they got, we'll round the number, we'll say 20 matches, right? Yeah. So they've got 40 competitors. Each competitor has to sell a minimum of four tickets, right? So how, how many tickets is that? Four, what, how many 40 competitors did you say? Yeah, so it's 160 tickets. 160 tickets, right? minimum. Which, 160 tickets just from their competitors, mm. right? Which will basically be their entire capacity. Mm. 160 people in that in that club that they do it in, right? So for them, they go, ah, I know. We'll hire this venue out. We'll get our competitors to sell all of our tickets. We'll get the competitors to put on the product, yeah. which is the show. We will then get revenue from the doors, the bars, whatever, Right, and they will do pretty much all the work for us. But that's just, like you know, I've gone, into, I've looked into doing competitions, right, and I've broken it down like to the point where I'm like, can I break even here? Yeah, because uh, it's just like I. But, don't... The, but this is the thing, right? That, like I said, the, the whole super fight thing, right? And grapple wars don't put on a bad product as such. I think their rule set was a bit flaky. Uh, in the, first the whole one. drawing bollocks. Yeah. Yeah, but for me, I'm just like, well, hang on, what are you? Do it. You're, okay, you're giving me a stage from a brand that you've mm. put on Instagram and gone, we'll call it Grapple Wars. We'll jump on the bandwagon of super fights. We'll create an Instagram page. We'll get a bit of traction. We'll get some guys on. But in reality, the competitors are doing all of it for them. Right. Uh, to put this into perspective, right, and I found this out from the day because, like I said, I've got another little project I've got in my mind at the moment, right? Um, pass me your phone and open your calculator quickly so I won't say it out loud. But this was the price for a media team. So do you remember, obviously, Grapple Fest went on, yeah? And they had all the reels come out on the actual night itself. Yeah. Guess how much they charged for that service? I don't know. What, just to put reels out? Yeah. Right? Just to log in and put reels out? Yeah. All right. But it's like all high quality, all filmed, all live, all that fucking jazz, yeah? Yeah. That ain't like millions. Do you know what I mean? And you think, okay, fine. How much is it to rent a mat? Obviously, I've told you about the price of it type of thing. And you look at that, that, that basic math. So if you've got 160 tickets, all selling at 35 quid, that's actually reduced that down to 25. So you as the athlete get a tenner per ticket, let's say, yeah. if that was even the case. What's that, 160 times by 25? 160 times by 25? Yeah. I'm usually good at math. 160. Math. 160 times 25. Four grand. Four grand. Yeah. And that's obviously you're giving stuff back to the fighters as well. So you could take that all in as like revenue, if that makes sense. Mm. And then you're what? 
you're not paying for Matt because that's fuck all. Yeah. You're doing jigsaw. But that is fine. Like it's it's I I got no problem right with people doing that if they are giving back to the fighters. Mm. But the one that I said we're doing like oh f- uh, sub of the night is fifty quid, right? So out of one one person out of so forty be four, competitors, so, so that'd be hold on, that'd be, be twenty pounds. No, would it be? Hold on, forty times by five. Well, my, my math's fucking shocking here. So that's gonna be two hundred quid basically. Yeah, out of that four grand, so three thousand eight hundred pounds you got left. <laughs> Just, but that's what I mean. It's just stupid. Like, like it, it, I don't, I don't like the fact that they they jump on the super fight bandwagon to make money for themselves. Stop and, it. I just and stop to make, super fight. That's and it. to make the competitors do literally all of like I'm not going to say all of the, all of the work because obviously you have to get a venue, you have to get the mat in, your production and whatever. Yeah, but once they've done it once round, it's just the same thing. Oh, can we rebook this date in, please? And do but this. your your capacity and your product, and this is the argument with the UFC thing. And the fighter pay mm. is there is no product without the fighters. Mm. So pay them something. This then comes back to that whole fucking Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis fucking stuff, right? I don't know if I brought this up earlier or not, but the fact that at 6 30, and I don't know what time the venue opened, but it would have been early doors, 85% capacity already for undercard stuff. <laughs> yeah, but look, look at the product versus the audience. But that's in the argument. Where does the fault lie? Does it lie with the fighters? Does it lie with the promoters? Does it lie with the media team, the marketing? Where does that all lie? Do you know what I mean? Because I, I don't, I don't think it's it's a fault of um, the promoters or anything like that. I think for that specific card last night, it's one of those things where they're not, not, not saying they're not combat sports fans, but that is not the audience that's there. The audience is there are YouTube kiddies who who love YouTube stars, or they're the type of kiddies who are going to pay forty quid for a fucking bottle of Prime, like. Do you know what I mean? Like he did that one time when it came out. <laughs> no, I paid two pound ninety nine, yeah. and, and it and it tasted like absolute bleach. Like fair play, like I said, marketing geniuses. Like the way that they they brought that brand up from when they did to now. Genius. Amazing. <laughs> Can't fault them. I ever told you about Liquid Death. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. to me is a fucking incredible company, right? For anyone who hasn't there, just go and research and go and look at them. It's just an absolutely insane company in terms of marketing water, basically. Yeah. Um, but no, sorry, mate, carry on. But uh, this it's trying to find out, not say it's not pointing the blame finger because I think one, the fucking promotions and the managers of these fighters within the boxing world are just fucking so back-ended right mm. in terms of it and the fact that when you talk about the negotiation problems that they had i think obviously with tommy and ksi there was a whole rehydration clause which ksi wanted and tommy didn't agree to but guess what the fight still got made yeah yeah because there's money to be made money to be made yeah when it comes to let's say tyson fury versus aj for example <clears throat> well this this was one of the one of the things i said last night so i refuse to to get a zone subscription right? you obviously got it legally of course yeah <laughs> no but when i when i looked i thought i thought well, much, I, I think thought, i saw it. it's like 60 dollars i think it's where i saw it I, I i thought i'll look on youtube because you could buy it through youtube right yeah guess how much it was through youtube uk pounds right 47 48 48 quid fine no 36 36 all right 36 pound to watch a bunch of non-fighters box no mate you must love salt right <laughs> It's a good fight, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the best fight of the night. Salt Pappy versus Slim. Yeah. I, I but, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, like, you think of that, £36, 
Mm. I think it was like £21 on the zone. Yeah. Right? How much is an Anthony Joshua or, or Tyson Fury fight or Conor Ben or Liam I've, Smith I've or you know, actual good boxers? Probably 17 quid. Maybe an AJ fight's like 20 quid, 25 yeah. quid. But for a bunch of guys who can't box, it's more, it's 36 pound or 21. Why, why do people buy it? They're not happy with it. Because it's, because it's your audience, right? If I had a massive audience, I could literally go, uh, okay, he's a, he's I'm a, just... Here's a shit on camera. Yeah, I'm just going to do whatever. <laughs> but they've obviously played into the fact that as a human race, we love fighting. Yeah. Love fighting. Love people getting punched in the face. You love thinking, oh... Who's the best? Oh, we're going to pick these social media guys who aren't fighting. And I think there's an element with the martial arts type of thing of why they pick boxing and everything else. And if I'm honest, this is not to shit on the boxing world, right? I think other martial arts are too complex and too high, higher risk. Of course. Rather than someone get someone as a YouTuber just to throw their hands in front you of You look them. at white collar level, right? White collar level boxing versus white collar MMA. It takes more to do MMA because mm. there's more skills involved. Yeah. Boxing, you can get the day from the pub. Be like, jump in, you're as, you're as under quid and have a fight. Yeah. And, and that's generally the level it's, it is. There's a couple of Stellas crack on. But, but from a marketing aspect, like they, they obviously got the hype around it, they got the money, the revenue and everything else. But mm. the product was dog shit. It was six rounds of hugging. And Tommy may have won, but he's, and I get it, like he said afterwards, I'm securing my daughter's future. You are, fair play, good for you. Because you, you as a boxer, you wouldn't get paid a fraction of that on a normal undercard if you were a 9-0 pro. You wouldn't. I'm not saying I, he wouldn't, but based on his circumstance, who his family are, who he's engaged to, I think they're engaged, right? Molly May. Yeah, right? but they're not paying a 9-0 undercard boxer £5 million, man. No, but it's not as if Molly May has got a few pennies, mate. No, but I'm just saying as a boxer, as his profession, right? If he just did what most pro boxers do, they fight a bunch of bums coming up, build themselves, build their record, build the confidence. Mm. Right? As a 9-0 pro, he's not making a fraction of what he made last night. No. So for the two fights he's had back-to-back with Jake and him, mm. we'll, we'll call it a conservative $10 million yeah. in one year. Yeah. I get it, but he's ruining his own legacy, especially because he barely beat a fucking... YouTuber, yeah, like he didn't jab, he was on about his right hand, but he didn't really use his left that much, and they just hugged the whole time, yeah. Like, it's, it's tricky because it reminds me of the circumstance which I got put, put to me a little while back, and it said, Right, I don't know, hypothetically, Darren Till came to me, right, and said, I need to shift 25 kilograms by Friday, right? What, coke? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh body, wait, body weight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that literally reminds me of like the whole fucking Darren Till, Mike Perry sketch. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you want spa? Spa, mate. Oh, spa. Yeah, we'll go for a spa. It's fine. Well, you said shift twenty five. I thought we can't be on about weight. Oh god, mate, monster. Twenty five kilograms of monster We're energy. Talking brown, <laughs> white. <laughs> um, I'm not a drug dealer, by the way. <laughs> talk with all that steroids. That's good me talking about coke um no mate it's 25 kg of body weight right and he says he's gonna pay me fucking life-changing money yeah morals wise and safety it ain't fucking safe in this life i don't even know it's fucking possible to do 25 if i'm honest like it probably could be on a fra- on a certain threshold limit but mm-hmm. again stupidly extreme right yeah. if i go my morals say i'm not safe I'm not doing it or i get paid life-changing money again to make weight would you give it a go? Would I give it a go? And I was like, it's a really tough fucking question because it I comes back. I think that's an easy one. 
but then you, you come back to legacy and what you're known for yeah because you've then gone against what the safety aspects of it are what you may stand for in terms of like having morals and ethics but this is the point is okay on the face of it you're just saying oh it's a simple dilemma do you do it do you not but then is it a case of he says to you i'm going to go until i can't anymore or does he allow you that little way of okay right we're going to give it a go but if it ever reaches the point where it's going to be nah, severely unsafe more, more cut and dry question cut and dry question yeah like, would you take the money over the like morals type of thing? And that's where I think Tommy's in that circumstance where he's got... Because I don't think if he... I think there's an element of him where he got involved with Molly May. Well, I appreciate he's gone way off jiu-jitsu talking. He's talking about fucking social media life. But he didn't like the fact that Molly May basically was earning more than him. Yeah, right. She bought Boohoo, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. And sold it. <laughs> right. So it's like... I love this. Goes from drug dealer talking about Boohoo and like, he knows all about it. Um... But yeah, that's the, the idea is the sense that he didn't like living in that shadow and obviously, again, was in the shadow of Tyson as well type of thing. Yeah, but I think, like you said last night, he's never going to be Tyson. No. And I think that he sees in his window of opportunity. And I don't blame him because... Make hay when it's turning. He, yeah. He's not, he's not a good... He's not a great boxer. No. I mean, he might be an okay boxer, but he's not a great boxer. I also think he's someone who performs better in the gym than he does in the ring because he always looks a lot better True. off camera. Then when he gets to the ring, he can never really seem to put it together properly. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of factors. I think when that amount of money is staring you in the face, gone, oh, do you want to five million quid to fight this guy? Well, yeah, okay. Like, well, I think why the, not? I think the Dow, which was KSI's trainer, said at the end of it that how uh, Tommy is looking to not go down the pro boxing route. No, I don't think he is at all. I think he's going to stay on YouTube. And I, and I think that his dad is in full support of that. I think his dad realizes. You're not going to be another champion. Well, there was a, there was a, um, an interview with his dad afterwards saying, "Look at the amount of people that came out here. Look at who obviously got involved. We're getting kids invested in boxing." Exactly. Yeah, he un he understands that there's there's other paths to succeed in yeah. other than being a champion. And you got to remember, Tyson Fury wasn't himself a big named, big time boxer. Well, I was going to say until like, he, the he Klitschko fought, fight. Like he fought down at the Hand Stadium in Cleveland. Like years ago, yeah. right? Obviously, we know both our partners talk about the hand and fucking horses. But and until the Klitschko but... fight, yeah, where was he? Just he was someone... a struggling boxer. Yeah. So Tommy's actually, you know, don't get me wrong. He's like I said, he's ruining well, his legacy. A, but he's being smart. You look at the legacies, and if you put them line by line in terms of earnings, he's probably actually overdoing Tyson right now. Yeah. Not not currently, but up to the same point. No, but that's what well, I mean. Look at look at Tyson's record at that point. I'd be intrigued how much how much earnings he would have had. I would have. The the key owner I would have looked at would be the Klitschko fight because I'm not even sure if he would have made five million pound for that fight. No, but that's but even if he how many fights is it for Tommy now? Ten. Tenth pro, yeah. Imagine ten Tyson Fury fights. How much money that earned? This is Tommy's ten. First ten. I mean, yeah, I I think Tommy got paid absolutely peanuts for the Anthony Taylor fight, if I remember correctly. But still, um, just the Jake, Jake, the Jake and the KSI yeah. one. But like, you look now, right? So now he's got the option to rematch Jake, which Jake wants. Fight his brother Logan. Now he's the A side, makes another ten mil. Go mm. on the A side now. Logan. He mm. probably won't fight Logan, he'll fight Jake. And he can offer KSI a rematch. Or fight his brother Deji, who fought Floyd. That's what I mean. So now you're going such from a prime, but, but, such a prime position. But yeah. <laughs> Sponsorship. Sponsorship, nah. But now sure. you're now you're looking at him and you're going, Okay, you fought four YouTubers who mm. don't get me wrong, Jake and that obviously train hard they've got the best resources in the world the most money best trainers nutrition everything right they, they're boxers mm. right they may not be amazing boxers but they're putting the work in 
And now all of a sudden you go, okay, well, I can fight four of these guys and make close to $30 million. Yeah. And have all these brand endorsements, like Under Armour, Lynx, and all these oh, types of stuff. I was having fucking so much spam come through, Tommy and Ice Bass all of a sudden. Yeah, Lumi, like, wherever it's called, Luma. I was like, shut the <clears> fuck up, I don't care. But, <laughs> but that, that, that's the type of thing that opens the doors, because brands want guys who are relevant. Yeah. And at the minute, there's nothing more relevant mm -hmm. than Prime. Yeah, that is true. But I think again, feeds on probably, and we'll look to wrap it up with that one, is uh, Dylan Dennis. Shit out. <sighs> How much of a shit house he is, there's a part of me who was like, he is the jiu-jitsu man of this, right? And I wanted him to win. <laughs> Just for jiu-jitsu. That I was didn't. it. Did you not? I've never liked him. I, th I, think, I think there's a fine line between trolling and being delusional. And I think he is... He's either really smart with it or he's really fucking delusional. Mm. Like, and I just think, like, every interaction I've seen him in in terms of a fight other than the Khabib one, I'm like, you are not a fighter. Like, you're a jiu-jitsu guy. You're a good jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. Or you were a good jiu-jitsu guy. Well, he hadn't been that for a little while, has he? Well, yeah, but you look at the standard of progression now, you might get shit on by a purple belt. Get, give him cola bate. Oh, cold and smash it. I know. I think. But anyway, I digress. Like the I, I just think like he's he's morphed himself into an internet persona. Like he makes money from the internet. And I think he only showed up last night because he actually needs to get paid. Well this is interesting. Again, I know from speaking to certain individuals that they've tried to get him on jujitsu shows before, mm. right? And he's just say basically said, I want a bum. Yeah. And I want to be paid a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I think it comes back to, from what I know of him, family are quite wealthy. And he's in a position where he can just do whatever the fuck he wants, basically. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like, the, the fight last night, he's going to get a lot of opportunities from that because he actually showed up. Finally. He promoted the fight really well and everything else. But before that, he was on, I mean, I remember seeing this YouTuber called um, Coffeezilla or something, where he was scamming people for, like, a thousand dollars a time or going oh I'll do a Twitter shout out for a thousand dollars and like just all these like little things uh, where he's not making loads of money he's not fighting just as bad as like cameo paying people to do videos and stuff well basically yeah, yeah. so the fact I mean he's, he's got no interest in, in going back to jujitsu. I don't think no I did see a funny meme though I think it was the shot where Logan dropped him <clears> and it was like <laughs> my missus staring at me from the Logan first. didn't drop him huh Logan didn't drop him it's definitely a picture yeah he pulled guard Oh, he actually pulled guard. Yeah, <laughs> he literally. He literally sat there. What was his first he round? Did, he did the Nick Diaz thing. <laughs> what was his first round? Was this? I or? don't know. Oh, but he man, he did the Nick clap. Diaz thing. He just like sat down on the floor and went to guard. <laughs> Mate, he didn't care about that in the slightest bit. He just got paid. No, was... Ariel was right on the commentary. He he said straight away. Said I think his whole plan is just to not get knocked out. Fuck. Which is smart because I thought Logan was gonna smash him in two three rounds mm. i thought he's way too big powerful he punches with intent like dylan doesn't punch oh, with I, any sort I'd of aggression with that contracts with the whole dq thing at the end so i know obviously we talked about this off car off camera again obviously john wayne parves the muay thai legend mentioned about how it went over by 13 seconds there was no ring for the doorbell and then the, the pinnacle point was that obviously he tried to guillotine him right 
missed the get slipped off the guillotine, then got punched in the face, then up kicked, and then chased him, obviously go across the ring type thing. So yeah. a lot of extra bullshit going on, which from a staged point of view, from like WWE, mm. right? Like, oh, when you when he comes into the match, you guillotine me, and it will all kick off as a riot. You couldn't get it any more scripted than that. Do you know what I mean? But I think that I think he was taking bits from Nate Diaz. Yeah, I think because he he obviously saw that it was funny. Cash, yeah. It drew attention after the fight. Yeah, but you can't defend the choke and all that. You know that sort of stuff. Um, but we had the conversation, and I said it's similar to the rugby. Like when I was watching the rugby, the referees look at the initial. Uh, How are you feeling the, yesterday, by the way? Shut up. <laughs> right. The referees look at the initial play terribly. <laughs> fucking awful. Argentina. Well done, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even screw a fucking line out. Like, come on, four line outs in a row, really? <laughs> Shit, cunt. <laughs> right, anyway, the referees will look at the initial uh, infringement, right? Yeah. So a fight breaks out, they will always go back to, right, who caused it? Right? Yes, there was retaliation aspects, but who caused it? Yeah. So the whole Dylan thing is, let's be honest, everybody knew what he was doing, but yep. he, could, he could easily say, well, I was leaning on him and I slipped. Mm. Logan then punched me in the face on the floor. That's a DQ. Yeah. But then I up kicked him, so that's a DQ. And then I, his security got involved. Yeah. You know, there, there's all sorts of things. And the goat got in the ring, and it all and it all settled down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Father yeah. Christmas bobbing his head in the background. Yeah, the, the cholo <laughs> just like <laughs> literally yeah. just bobbing his head around, literally like just like Father Christmas. Ah. Uh, like, what's up, Holmes? <laughs> yeah, no, he, come does, wash my he, car. he does look like a Mexican lowrider at the minute. I don't know what it is. Like, he just literally looks like, like a Father Christmas, just like bobbing around type thing. And like, I, I can't wait. I, and I, then I, he takes his top off. You're like, Ew. I still can't wait, mate, just to do like Natty or Not with some random people in the public with jiu-jitsu athletes and just see what people think of it and just see what comes out of it because I just don't think people are going to be aware of it. I think if you're in the jiu-jitsu community, you'd know about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but who would you pick to be the... The person oh. who's not natty, who looks natty. Um, so it was a mixture of them. I had a list of them. I'm pretty sure I sent them to you. Oh, you did? Also. Craig, Mika, Craig. Mika, Craig. Uh, Craig I don't think Craig looks natty for his age. I don't think he looks natty. I don't know. He doesn't look like he's like... He's big, man. He's, he's a big dude, mind. He's really big. But then he plays the line of like he's on steroids all the time. Because he is. <laughs> no, it's it's so. I will, I, mate, I will bet a lot of money he is on. It wouldn't surprise you though if he was. Um, Nicky Ryan definitely on. <laughs> Nicky Ryan, you mean Nicky Ryan? No, Nicky Ryan. Oh, uh, Gordon's little brother. Yeah, the little brother who went from that to like, oh, I'm just walking around like looking all deep out yeah, my face. I thought J-Rod looked a bit big as well the other day as well. Do you, it, not, do you not remember that period of time where Nicky went from skinny little teenager to like, oh shit, you've put on 50 pounds. Yeah, but I could be puberty, mate, and we may be naive of it. But What, in, in like eight weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Good cycle. <laughs> mate, he went jacked up like overnight yeah. pretty much. He's definitely on. There's loads of them. Uh, what was it? Mikey Mikey Meshi on there, so obviously he looks oh. lean as fuck. I was like, maybe I could put mix. Um... Uh, what's his name? Blah 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 blah. It wasn't Cyborg. Who was the other one? Who got pops. Can't remember. He's in his forties. Mm, he got through to the Wagner. Wagner, that was the one. Hmm. Um, who else did we have? Garval. Garval, yeah. And then obviously Gordon. And who else? Oh, I put on Nicky Rod on there. You know, he's proven that he's now. Did he though? Yeah, but we don't know about. But I was like, all right, I'll have to go with what I know so far. 
yeah, not speculation. And then who else I Oh, Gabby Garcia, that was the other one. <laughs> Just for the pants, but... No, see, the Nicky thing, I, I, no, I'm not convinced. I don't know, like... Because Derek from More Play to More Days didn't yeah. have a baseline. No, which is obviously what you need. Which is what you need, yeah. right? So you need a baseline level to determine. Yes, there were other markers and stuff like that, but then you have to remember Nicky's young, but his... And whether, you know, as the public viewing, you don't know what's photoshopped, what's lighted, no, but he not. has had bits of time where he's gone from very fucking lean and big to podgy and which is interesting guiny. to say that because if you put it into the position of like a lot of people who are um not even influencers but let's say models mm. right who are cover model, model ready all of them are taking stuff of course because that's their job to that's look their good. job to do it and that's obviously where nicky came he had a he had a mo- he, i think he still does some stuff for yeah. people right I and mean, you got look at guys like luke rockhold Who's like in well, his forties? Before, before Mike Perry smashed his teeth out. In his for, yeah, but he's in his forties and <laughs> doing Gucci stuff. He, but he's got the body of like a twenty-five-year-old. Yeah. And you're gonna tell me, oh, that's also chicken and broccoli and hard. That's work. what Liver King said. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But wait, that's how stupid the internet is. That people went, well, he, he said he's he's eating ball sacks and and bone marrow, and he's just absolutely jacked. They all love it, mate. They all but love people it. People forget that your body will get worse as you get older. Like, mm. that is generally what happens. But then you've got The Rock, who at 52 or however still old he can't, is... Still can't admit it. <laughs> who, who looks better than he did in his absolute prime of hormonal stages. Yeah. No, fuck off. Come on. It's going to be interesting to think in the jiu-jitsu scene, and I'll probably finish on this, just to see who's going to have that first death from over-usage. Because it will happen, right? Because there will be that, as you said... Oh, more is better. More is better. Because the same thing happened in the bodybuilding world. I don't think there will be active competitors when it does though oh as in like this will happen in like a more local scene rather than no I I, I kind of think that maybe the death will occur post competitive I think it might happen in, I think it will fight. I think it will happen sooner rather than later because let, let's be honest you get the same thing right I'm still waiting for the day to see it Prime killed my kid yeah, yeah. where they drank 70 bottles in an hour right? yeah and killed themselves. Because yeah, because like we said, moderation is everything. Yeah, and so I think it's the same thing when I think when people, because my argument with the whole steroid use at the moment is I'd rather, rather it be like a dark, shady topic as everyone talks about it a little bit more openly, right? And mm. we talk more about the safety of it. It's fucking safe sex talk, use a condom, all that fucking jazz type yeah. thing, yeah? And I think that's going to help more with education around it. And I think the problem being, mate, is as, as this very old sport, I still find is very much in its infancy of like social media, right? Very much in its infancy of like developing more. Like, let's look at how SNC's come on for this for this sport. Yeah, yeah. that's changed loads, right? And nutrition's coming on for it, and all this type of jazz. Yeah, and now it's come to the point of then people just simply do more. You're right. You keep saying the name. <laughs> <laughs> you silly girl. Um, and that people just think it's more, and it's the same thing with recovery. Oh, more S and C sessions, more gym sessions, more this. And I think people will then go, oh, if I use more fucking steroids. Yeah, of course. And then it makes me think, well, when's I, that, when's I, that I, death going to happen? I agree. I think it, it will happen. I, I don't necessarily think in jiu-jitsu it will directly... I mean, how do I put this? I don't think it will be because someone's taking two grams a test a week. Mm. I think it will be because someone has some sort of underlying health thing, which is mat- massively yeah. accelerated by the gear use, because I think... Unless you are someone who is putting on enormous amounts of mass, 
like your Mr. Olympias and those types of guys, mm. I think as a jiu-jitsu athlete, they're, not, they're just not built for that type of muscle carrying where it's going to have that massive effect on their body and their organs unless they've got an underlying... Okay, well, let's use that example, right? Take Gordon and the way he looked, right? Yeah. I appreciate some of the pictures are edited and look a little bit... More. We've all done it before. Like, oh, I'll put a little bit more red on here. It makes me look a little bit more lean and all mm. that fucking jazz, right? But for his... The way he talks about how long he wants to compete for, mm. being like 30 plus years, I think he said before, or something like this. Like I think he said when, by the time he's 40, he wants to stop. Right, okay, how old is he now? he's 28. 28, so he's still got another 12 more years, right? Yeah. Based on the usage of what he's doing. And it's not as if he's starting at the bottom of the fucking weight ladder either, mm. right? He's already at the ultra marker, yeah? yeah? How long is that usage going to keep on going? Before well, it depends, it doesn't it? It depends. kills him over. It depends because Gordon is, it's not Gordon you want to really look at because Gordon's in the fortunate position. Oh, so it's going to be the person beneath him who's going to chase him and do more. Fuck. Yeah, you're very much right on that. But also because Gordon's only competing once or twice a year, his off cycles are going to be a lot bigger. He can, he can afford to take more time off, take more therapeutic stuff. He's already spending a lot of money with these ways to well type people mm. who are keeping his body in check and everything else, which is something that 99% of jiu-jitsu athletes don't have the benefit of getting access well, you to. say that, mate? Most of them getting fucking their IVs done when they're wearing it and stuff. Yeah, but an, an IV is an IV. It's not a professional team of, of people who are used by the likes mm. of Joe Rogan and, and those types of guys, is it? That's it's very but then I don't know if, if... But my point being is that he's in a privileged position where he's not having to compete multiple times a year. He can take longer periods off gear if he wants to to let his body recover. Mm. Thus, giving more of a moderate ratio. He's not like the person who's like, right, I'm on cycle for 16 weeks. Oh, but I've got pans in like six weeks from now, so I can't really take an off cycle at the minute, so I'll stay on for another six weeks. Oh, and then I've got... Do you know what I mean? But it's that's not it, that's like the that. same mindset I say in my bodybuilding where it's like, oh... I've done a cycle for 12 weeks. It is. I want to do a bit more. I want to be a bit bigger. Type it is, thing. but you're looking at the effect of, and I get what you're saying, but like I said, Gordon's a bad example, but then I think... I, I, I agree with the person below him. Yeah, but I do think that the the sheer volume and amount of muscle mass on a human body has a big factor in organ failure in steroid use. Mm. Yeah, because it puts so much more stress on it. Yeah, again, you look at the <clears> basics <throat> of it—a pound of like mass on top of your knees is four pounds, and then on top of your hip. Exactly. Weight, Whereas so. if you have got Mika Galvao, who's on well, how heavy is he? Seventy-seven. He competes at. Yeah, I think it was. It's not as if that that amount. Of but body then obviously Gordon is. obviously moved up the weight categories from around about there, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. And that was the all to. And Mika's only nineteen, but yeah. But that's what I mean. So Gordon moved up to take on. I forgot his fucking name. It was a Brazilian that he lost to twice. Ooh, Penna. Yeah, Penna. There yeah. we go. He did that whole building more muscle, building more frame because he felt undersized. Yeah. I don't know. I still predict it will happen at some point. Someone's going to probably kill over. Yeah, probably. I just don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be as clear cut as uh, steroids killed this guy. I think it'll be this guy died and it'll come out right. And I also don't think it'll be anyone on like the big big in the limelight. Yeah. I think it will happen eventually, though. I think it will, and, or it will see. I think the other thing to consider is when you look at a lot of these ex-bodybuilders, for example, take Ronnie, for example, yeah, mm. push the limits. Obviously, that was with weightlifting, don't get me wrong, but in a wheelchair, basically. Could barely fucking walk, right? Look at Dorian, like, he's half the man he was, yeah. 
And this is all because they've gone from ginormous fucking frames to then all of a sudden... Because their body doesn't want that muscle. No. And it's an, I, I think but it's... Also, you think legacy. I bet Ronnie's... I think I heard Ronnie saying his only regret is he didn't lift more. <laughs> Which, if you're Ronnie Coleman, it's fair enough. So, you, you've left a legacy, my friend. So, so would you say Gordon's on the same path as Ronnie <clears> at the moment? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's a comparable thing. I don't think when you're talking about the gear uses, I massively think that when Gordon stops, I think he will look like Gordon who fought Penna. Like <laughs> 70, <match> <laughs> 75, 80 kilos. Yeah. He's just like half of a man though, isn't he? Yeah, but it's, it's also, it's hard to say as well because Gordon was young then. He might get fat and sassy. But age has a thing, doesn't it? You know, he, I think Gordon must have been probably early, late oh, teens, early shit. 20s then. Right, Gordon, if you ever listen to this, I think, personally, right, if he wants to give himself a more of a disadvantage because he likes to do that, I think become overweight and really unhealthy. <laughs> become like, what's this fucking called? Bubba Fett. Is that the one? Not Bubba Fett. No, Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. Become like Jabba the Hutt. Right? I think he and could do still it. submit everyone. I think he could do it. <laughs> <clears throat> it. But Gordon doesn't really use that many, I would call them attributes as such. He, he's not particularly explosive, quick. He uses a lot of isometric strength, yep. but he's not fast, explosive. But you can't get any more definitive. <coughs> he became like Jabba the Hutt or PMP, as we like to call it. I yeah. think you just lay on him. <laughs> just lay on him. Just camp out just, and just lay on him. Just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or North, pull, south. Or just pull guard and just run and sweep and then lay on them. That's basically I, I want to see the first north-south smother choke. North-South smother choke. Is that where he puts his balls in their mouth, basically? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Pure PMP style. Fuck. Yeah. Um, right, dude. I'll go over the normal questions because I appreciate we've answered these like off-camera before. But uh, do you have an unpopular jiu-jitsu opinion? Unpopular jiu-jitsu opinion. No, only, only when people bitch and moan about the strong guy. <laughs> like, mate... You get over it. It's, it's, if I'm strong, you're fast. There we go. And if you're not strong, then get If stronger. I'm strong, you probably got better cardio. <laughs> but stop, but stop, stop going to the, oh, you're stronger than me. I'll crush you. <laughs> just love the harshness of it. That's what he says to me every time we roll. I'll just crush you. No, I, I, just, I just hate that. Like they, they never think of, oh, it's because you're actually good at blocking my hips or, yeah. or this. Like, so, oh, you're just strong. It's fine. It's all good. Um, next one we have uh, once you if you ever compete again let's be real because I, that seems like a, an impossible challenge it is at the moment but when you do next compete and you get your win what's the three <laughs> <laughs> um, what's that post meal going to be same as my pre meal probably Greg's <laughs> no um, post meal I do like a good Domino's yeah yeah or Ui, is it Ui? Ui burger. Ui, Ui burger. burger. Oh, mate. I like the Ui burger. Waffle fries with chicken strips oh, yeah. in there. Or gravy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is like top tier stuff. Yeah. I might get one tonight. <laughs> PMP yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. Love it. Sorry, if anyone doesn't know what PMP stands for, it's peak male performance. So, me and Mike have this ongoing joke of just sending fat guys doing fucking incredible shit, um, which is fucking class. Um, I have to get it put on my shorts as well. I have to get you a pair one day, actually. Yeah. I was speaking to the pool last night. Um, it makes them. What was my other questions? I normally have lined up. I can't remember. We'll go with the other ones. The staple ones. So staple one is a little bit, little bit deep, right? Which failure do you cherish the most in life? Doesn't have to be jujitsu related. It could be in life, whatever. Which you. failure do I cherish the most? Yeah. What did you learn? Christ, that's hard. No, no, it's deep. I know. 
I got a really deep one, but I'm not going to say that on podcast. Oh, bless. Um, <clears throat> which failure did I learn most from in life? Um, probably when I was in uni, like, just failure at life. <laughs> Is this why you're crying into your partner at all? Th- this, this was at a point where I'd fucked things up that much in my life. I was eating um, mashed potatoes and gravy for two weeks. Oh, I, I went through a phase of that. I did pasta. No, no, no. This wasn't a choice. Uh, like, I had no money. The, this, this was like the only two things I had in my cupboard were like mouldy spuds and a and a pack of Bisto. Yeah. And I literally had zero access to any money whatsoever. I had, I had like I said, probably not as long as you, but I had a little moment where I had to do that. And like, um, I was living, it was the first time I moved out with my parents and basically just spunked all my money, racked up loads of credit card bills, worked type of stuff. Yeah. And I was like... Budget-wise, I can only afford pasta and gravy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I was in the same boat. Like, my mum had sort of financially left me alone because yeah. I was a burden. Yeah. Um, she ended up having to bail me out for, like, I think seven grand in the end for something. But, yeah, it, it definitely taught me a lot about just not being a dick. Well, I think moments like that, I like, because I certainly like to reflect back on them about where I've come from type of thing. Yeah, hugely. Yeah. Like, I, obviously, again, people will be aware of this, but you'll be aware that obviously I, I lived in a static caravan for about four years, right? Mm. Set up a nutrition consultancy, having to hotspot off my phone and go on my laptop for basically of it. Mm. Try and download Call of Duty on your hotspot on your phone. It takes fucking forever, <laughs> to say the least, um, let alone upload YouTube videos or anything like that. But yeah, again, like, I look back at that now, I'm like, cool, I've got a roof over my head, I've got central heating now, type of thing yeah um i think it's important to stay grounded with it mm-hmm. but i also think it's it's important to like enjoy things as well because yes. i think i could have quite easily gone the opposite way of when i was earning good money mm. i could have just been like an absolute stingy tight ass but and i suppose i am in some respects but in the others like i will go out and buy a 40 grand car <laughs> and spend like 800 quid a month in fuel just because it makes me smile every time I drive it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like those types of little wins because you yeah. look back and you're like, well, fuck me, I've come from eating I still have the gravy and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you go from that to going, well, fuck me, I actually knuckled down and made yeah, something. Yeah, done something so. It's the same sort of thing, mate. But I think that's why we get on so well, to be fair. We've got a lot of uh, similarities when it comes to that. Uh, and then final staple question that we've got before I try and make up a mystery question in my head because I haven't asked Jordan what the next mystery question was supposed right. to be. Uh, once it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? PMP. Yeah, PMP. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've always wanted to be remembered as someone of you un- doesn't tip over the drinks. Um, yeah. You knew that you knew where you stood with me. Mm-hmm. I've never. Bullshit, I've always been black and white. Like, if someone asks me a straight answer, I give them a straight question, I give them a straight answer. Yeah. Like, I'm not someone who buys into the protect your feelings crap. Like, I'm always just black and white. Like, what you see is what you get. And I think the the fact that I have a smaller circle of close friends rather than a big branch of meaningless friends kind of yeah. speaks to that. And I've, yeah, I've always, I've always liked the idea when people are like, well, Mike's a straight shooter, like, you know what yeah. you get. So, yeah. yeah. I vouch for that. I've obviously leaned on you for opinions on different things quite a few times, so no, I get that completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought of a mystery question in my head for you. <laughs> right. You get to sub your idol, right, a.k.a. the GOAT, Gordon, Father Christmas, right? It's the idol. That's uh, <laughs> Mate, let's be real, right? I'm surprised you're not in Manchester right now. I'm trying to find him. Um, Let me chasing uh, John instead. <laughs> John, please Go, to, go to the sword. <laughs> go to the sword. <laughs> 
You get to submit Gordon, but the yeah. fucking jiu-jitsu world hates you for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. Okay. Or the alternative is that you don't submit him, right? Mm-hmm. But you you never, you get submitted every time you roll with someone for the rest of your life. Not submit him. You'd submit him. I don't be hated by the if community. anyone likes me. <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of snowflake do you think I am? <laughs> fuck a lot of you. <laughs> I'm crushing him. Yeah. yeah. I'd give a fuck, yeah. I'd submit him. Yeah. If that's in the history books, yeah, you, you've made him 57 and 1 <laughs> in, in the last six years. Yeah. yeah, fucking right I'm submitting him. Fuck a lot of you. <laughs> I'll retire. <laughs> Goodbye, jiu-jitsu community. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to Muay Thai. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, off to, I'm off to YouTuber boxing. Yeah, See you later. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That'd be fucking class, mate. Well, uh, thanks again, obviously, for filling in today. I'll be honest. No like I said, it got uh, cancelled very last minute based on that. But it is what it is. But we were supposed to have you on another episode, which never got out in the end. But right. it's all good. Good little chat. As always, mate, I'm sure we could have waffled on for more hours about more jiu-jitsu stuff, as we always do. But yeah, it is what it is. But I'm sure I'll have you back on Probably there's another fitter episode, I'm not going to lie, but yeah. thank you. Enough. Cheers, man. Gosh. Oh, you all good with that? Yeah, man. How long are we going for? Hour 56.